hello and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod. Coming at you with our Week 15 review, Cody. Next week, podcast semifinal matchup in our Keeper League. This one is the biggest game we've ever played between each other in fantasy. Uh, how are you? How are you feeling about your team right now, bud? I uh, I don't know what your matchups look like, but I think mine uh, are lining up kind of up and down, but mostly good. So I'm feeling okay about this week. Yeah, I will say I was. Uh, I had a couple of situations happen over the weekend that had me concerned. I saw Justin Jefferson laying down on the field at one point. Austin Eckler had to get checked out for something. Um, Jeff Wilson ended up being out, I believe. So some, uh, some injury concerns going into the week, but it looks like all the big guys should be fine. So just got to, uh, I mean, there's literally no one on our waiver wires. You'd want to put into a fantasy playoff matchup, uh, unless Deion Jackson or Zach Moss are out there. So just going to have to hope I have some good matchups this week. I, I will say I have a good track record. I, I think I've won the last two games we've played against each other. So Hoping that luck just keeps rolling my way this week. Yeah, we'll see, buddy. Uh, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> matchup. Uh, I had a I had a pretty good week in fantasy myself. I went three and one in my playoff matchups, and the uh, the three that I won were the the three leagues I would have preferred. I won the games in, so um, I, I was pretty happy with how the week went. It was a pretty wild week of football in general. Uh, Cody, give me an overview of how your weekend went. So, uh, just another, just quick question here about our league. So, seeding resets for the second round. You're like 100 percent sure about correct. That? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, just wanted to make sure, just because the way the brackets laid out right now, you go to the other guys. So, just didn't want right. to make sure I wasn't getting too hyped up for the matchup this week if it was for nothing. But oh, it's it's uh, uh, for sure, buddy. <laughs> no, it was it was a good week of football. Congrats on winning your three matchups. That's pretty good. Uh, like you said, if you would get if you were at 50, percent you said you'd be happy. So you got to be pretty ecstatic uh, winning three of the four. Uh, unfortunately, our producer, Justin, who couldn't be with us tonight, and I lost in our Dynasty League, uh, ran into a couple of good matchups. And, I mean, our two running backs were Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb. So if you had any of either of those two guys, you're feeling our pain as well. And then uh, pulled out an absolute sneaky win in my work league. Uh, scored 82.5 in a full PPR uh, matchup this week. That is my lowest point scored of any week in the entire season. And I ended up winning. My opponent scored 77. So uh, besides the Dynasty League, feeling pretty good about this week, ready to roll into next week. And uh, like you said, there are a couple of injuries this weekend. So a couple of of players out there may, may actually be able to pick up and play going into week 16, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, a couple big injuries that we will talk about here in a second. I think overall, though, I was pretty you know satisfied with the the lack of major injuries to fantasy players. I think the the ones that did happen were to some major assets, but uh, didn't end up affecting a ton of fantasy lineups other than the big one. Uh, well, there's two really big ones, but one big one that kind of happened early in the game that we'll get to yep. off the jump here. So let's go ahead and uh, jump into these uh, news and injury notes here. This is a really big one, and this was uh, not – you know, this was a surprise coming out of the week because uh, he finished the game. That's Jalen Hurts. His status has in serious doubt for Week 16. Uh, basically, at this point, it's it's almost uh, expected that he will miss at least Week 16, probably Week 17 as well. I've heard two weeks is the uh, the current timeline, but uh, you know when the the Vegas line makes a jump the way that it did uh, during the day today that you know the, uh, the the people spending the money on this game are expecting Jalen Hurts to be out, and they are. 
you know, putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to that. So I would definitely expect him to miss this week. It's a, it's obviously a huge blow to anyone that had Jalen hurts. He did uh, have a heroic effort for you uh, over the weekend. It probably helped you move on to the next round. If you had, uh, you know, if you didn't have the buy or you had made the playoffs. So at least he didn't leave early in the game, but man, uh, we'll get into, I guess the, the impacts of this injury when we talk about the, the Eagles game, but uh, one, just really surprised. And two, I couldn't imagine just a, you know, a bigger name heading into this next week, the fantasy playoffs to have go down. Uh, what did you, what was your reaction to this? Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm glad you took a second to explain that. Cause honestly, I, I saw the notification come through on my phone and like, I, I read a little bit about it when it first happened, but I was really busy with work earlier today and kind of just, I guess, completely put it in the back of my mind. So this is unbelievable. Um, I mean, if you had Jalen hurts, if he would not have gotten hurt, he was probably the best draft pick of this year. I mean, he's been absolutely absurd for fantasy football, and, I mean, he's an MVP candidate as well right now. So missing two weeks to at the end of the season, you know, just hurts him in, in all areas. So uh, that sucks there. I will say if he does happen to miss, which, like you said, by the look of the Vegas line, looks like he definitely will, at least this upcoming week, uh, I play him. The guy who had the buy in my work league had uh, had Jalen Hurts. So and he does not have a backup quarterback on his roster because I – and I. Don't necessarily blame him if you have Jalen Hurts. Not really ever looking to play a backup, but it's going to be a really big factor going into next week. Uh, so, I mean, if you have Jalen Hurts, you got to find that quarterback with either the best matchup if they're all streamers or if there's a good option out there. Got to go put, you know, drop the rest of your fab, whatever you can do, because that's going to be a massive impact. Yeah, and if you're playing against someone that has hurts, don't be afraid to go play some defense. If there's, you know, only if there's uh, one out, one QB out there, absolutely, or two. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I would again spend the rest of your fab. There's no more need to save it for anything. So just go ahead and use it all. Use your number one waiver claim and just give yourself the best chance to win this week. Uh, you know that I've heard some. I've heard that brought up as like. Is that potentially, you know, Bush League? I, I just think that's playing the game. Uh, you know, sometimes you're towing the line with those sort of things, but that is perfectly within the rules, and you should definitely, you know, a good fantasy player will do that. So absolutely go out and make sure there's not, like you said, one really good quarterback that stands above the rest. If there's a few good options, then you might just want to, you know, let your opponent pick uh, which one that they're going to take because you're not going to take them all away, most likely. Uh, the other huge injury that we had this weekend was Jonathan Taylor. He left almost immediately. Uh, he is feared to have a high ankle sprain, and he will likely miss the rest of the season with the Colts having nothing to play for. Uh, he had just a really disappointing season all around. Uh, you know, the number one overall consensus pick in most drafts. Just a very disappointing season from Jonathan Taylor, mired by injury and, you know, ineptitude from his offense. If you had Taylor in the playoffs, you know, kudos to you because that means you drafted a pretty good team around him, even though you took him with the most likely number one, maybe number two overall pick, and he has, you know, not come through for you. But uh, yeah, if you are moving on with uh, the roster that you have behind Taylor and with this dud, just good on you. You are you are a, a pretty good fantasy manager because that was a, it was a really tough blow. I think he left after his first touch. Thanks, man. Uh, what's your reaction that. to this? <laughs> no, I, I appreciate the uh, the compliment there. I, I, that, yep. That's amazing. I actually didn't draft Jonathan Taylor. I just uh, traded two really nice fantasy football assets for him right at the trade deadline for him to give me a bunch of nothing, but. That's all right. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a big blow. I mean, we'll get into the the Zach Moss versus Deion Jackson debate, which are probably the two probably two of the biggest waiver claims this week that we're going to see. But um, 
yeah, like you said, I mean, if you ended up making the playoffs, kudos to you. If you played Taylor and you you had a good enough team, I mean, I got 100% lucky that this guy's team completely busted against me. So uh, if that's your situation, definitely tune in for the rest of the podcast. Make sure you know who to play and who to, who to get ready for for next week. But, again, just like Jalen Hurts, I mean, he, Jonathan Taylor has had a bad season, but on any given week he could go out there and put up 20-plus for you in fantasy. So, I mean, a lot of people are going to be losing that off their roster going into semis and, and finals. So uh, that's just it's rough. Yeah, super disappointing, as we will get to with the, uh, you know, the auxiliary pieces, the Zach Mosses and the Deion Jacksons. They have two pretty incredible matchups coming up as well. So might have been a very strong finish to the fantasy season for Taylor, but he will miss the rest of the year in all likelihood. Uh, let me just run through the rest of these. There's not that much behind those two. Uh, there was obviously, like Cody said, a few guys that left and then came back like Justin Jefferson. Uh, so I, I didn't put those notes in here. We'll just for have sure. to see if it affects them moving forward. But Caleb Huntley, a, the running back for the Atlanta Falcons, has a torn Achilles. He will obviously miss the rest of the season and probably uh, you know half of next year as well. Uh, I guess we'll see the Achilles injury not quite as much of a, a you know a nail in the coffin as it was before for running backs, but I think this is more more of an effect for Patterson and Algier. Those two will be uh, the, you know the main runners for the Falcons. Colt McCoy, he exited with a concussion. Again, this one is uh, more of an effect for the auxiliary options in Arizona. Uh, I think if it's Trace McSorley, that you know that is a bigger downgrade to me. Colt McCoy to Trace McSorley is a bigger downgrade than Kyler Murray to Colt McCoy for uh, the wide receiver room, especially. So that could be you know a situation where you're probably going to want to pivot off of definitely Marquise Brown, but maybe even DeAndre Hopkins. We'll we'll just get we'll get more information on Colt McCoy. Hopefully he plays, but. These concussions, usually uh, you're missing at least a week now. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he exited with an ankle injury. He returned, but he was clearly hobbled. Uh, these ankles have a tendency to you know, swell up in the days after the injury. He did miss a couple games earlier this year with, I don't know if it was the same ankle. I'd, I'd have to assume it was, though, um, earlier this year. So it's a possibility he misses a couple games, and that would definitely affect your Tennessee options uh, moving forward. We'll, again, just have to monitor this situation. Cam Robinson. He is a left tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's out for the year with a torn meniscus. Potentially a pretty big deal. I don't think we can really react to this until we see the offense, uh, you know, without him on the field. But a lot of times left tackle injuries can, you know, vastly change the way an offense operates. So we'll just have to hope that that does not do that for this Jacksonville team. They're humming right now on offense. And then A.J. Dillon, he left the game early with concussion symptoms. I don't know if he ended up getting diagnosed with one. Again, uh, he, that just happened uh, about an hour ago. So we'll have to just uh, get more information on that. But like I said, pretty light injury week on the, uh, you know, the total volume there, but the two big ones off the top are certainly uh, pretty devastating to those owners. Absolutely. I think the Cole McCoy um, injury is actually very important as well. If you have D hop, you have to be very, very scared going into this week. Or, I mean, if you have a good team, I would just put him on the bench and see what your roster looks like without him completely. Cause he's going to be a tough guy to actually play. And then the Cam Robinson news sucks as our resident Jaguars fan. Uh, this offense was getting humming, like you said, and taking a good left tackle away from a uh, young quarterback is never good for just an offense in general. So we'll see. Uh, they get a quick turnaround, too, on Thursday. So the backup left tackle has got a couple days to, to prepare to start. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, overall, not too many bad fantasy-relevant injuries besides the two, but – two other injuries that may inf may affect, you know, two or multiple other fantasy pieces throughout the week. 
yeah, again, we'll get more information on those injuries as we move forward here, but that is what we're dealing with right now. Let's go ahead and jump into the matchups. We're going to start with the Saturday games. Starting with the Minnesota and Indianapolis game, Colts at Vikings. The Vikings pull it off 39-36 in overtime. My stat of the game, it's an easy one, and you probably already know it, but it's just too good to pass out. The Vikings, 33-point comeback, was the largest in NFL history. If you didn't watch this one, uh, the Colts were winning 33-0 at half, and then Minnesota stormed all the way back, ended up taking it 39-36 in overtime. A pretty incredible game by all accounts. Um, I don't know if you have any opinions on the game itself before we get into uh, you know the fantasy impacts here, but uh, I, I didn't end up actually watching the first half of this one. I was following it on the game tracker, and then I ended up tuning in about mid-third quarter, and I got to see the rest of it. It was, uh, it was pretty wild. I, I don't really know how much... My opinion is changing on either one of these teams. I think, you know, the Colts are still just pretty bad, but uh, it was good to see the Vikings fight all the way back. I, I couldn't believe that they erased that deficit. I was going to say the biggest thing for me was the fact that Minnesota just stayed in that game that entire second half and ended up being able to pull off the comeback. Even if they wouldn't have, if they would have made it 36, to, uh, you know, 33 or 30 or whatever, it would have ended up being. Um, I mean, that's just impressive in of its own because it would have been very easy for a Minnesota team that, doesn't have the division locked up, but you know it's pretty has a good lead to just coach through that game. Say, hey, let's avoid any injury risk or anything. Let's just get ready for next week. But stayed in it, came all the way back and won. I mean, that's again. I know this team isn't very good, and any any podcast or sports show you listen to are going to tell you that they're overrated. But finding ways to win games um, is is important, and situationally finding ways to win games is what wins you playoff games. So. I know Minnesota may seem overrated when you look at some stats, but they're winning, and and that's important. So um, the the cold side, I don't really have too much to say. You have Matt Ryan and a head coach that probably shouldn't be a head coach in the NFL. So 33-point comeback just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of funny that Frank Reich – uh, lost his job earlier this year with the Indianapolis Colts. He was the previous uh, record holder as the quarterback of the uh, the Buffalo Bills when they came back from a 32-point deficit. He loses his job midseason, and then the team that he left loses him his record <laughs> later in the year. So lost his job and a record, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and the guy that replaced him lost it for him. So I think that was kind of a fitting way to wrap that up. But for sure, uh, as for the Colts on the fantasy side, there's really only one discussion we need to have. Obviously, it was a tough blow for Taylor owners with that early exit we just discussed. Uh, but Zach Moss and Deion Jackson are going to take over here. They had 35 rushing attempts between them, 24 of them went to Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, more of the, uh, the pass catcher slash, you know, change of pace type here. So uh, their next two matchups are juicy. I think that's really the only reason we're even discussing these two guys. Uh, they get the chargers at home and then they go on the road against the giants. Both of those run defenses have been very bad uh, this season and especially lately. So who are we picking up here? Uh, does it depend on formats and how much interest do you have in either one of these guys? Um, I mean, definitely got to have some interest if you are uh, obviously the Taylor owner and you don't have good backup running backs. But I mean, if you have a good a good roster and you're not necessarily desperate to pick up somebody, I don't think either of these guys are someone I would fab dump on uh, unless you're just in a dire situation. Just because I, I think like we talked a little bit uh, before the pod. I know Zach Moss was basically getting the the running down work and then Deion Jackson, like you said, was kind of the change of pace guy. So 
mean, I guess I'd go Zach Moss, but again, I feel like it's more desperation than anything. I feel like these guys are going to be closer to, um, they'll be closer to splitting work than they will one of them really dominating. I think um, even with, you know, like you said, they're both, they have juicy matchups. So I, I just, I guess Zach Moss, but I'm not very confident either way. Yeah, I think what you're looking at are, you know, RB3 slash flex type of guys. But at this point in the year, anybody on the waiver wire with a pulse is worth a look just because, uh, you know, there's just nothing to wait for anymore with your fab or your waiver pickup. So if you think you might use one of these guys, just go ahead and get them. Uh, There's no reason to sit on your hands here. Uh, There's, you know, probably not a great chance that you are one if you advance to next week and then two, that there's going to be someone fantasy relevant on the wire for you. So if you think you might need to use them, then go ahead and pick them up. But uh, I guess Zach Moss is the guy we'd lean towards. And if you're in a full PPR, I maybe, maybe go Deion Jackson, but yeah, uh, yeah. Both of these guys pretty much just flex options uh, with the good matchups. Also, before we move on to the next thing, just want to point out as I have multiple times, but I think it was Rashad Penny, Devin Singletary, and Sony Michelle were all like top six or top seven running backs during the fantasy playoffs last year. So it is true. You really never know where points are going to come from. So if you have very low hanging fruit on the end of your roster, I definitely wouldn't mind adding one of these guys um, or at least putting in a waiver claim just in case they go through for not as much as you're expecting. Because worst case scenario, if you would get them on your bench and you don't play them, you don't have an explosion game played against you from either from I would say more likely Zach Moss, but from either of these guys. Yeah, 100%. Uh, agree with your sentiment there. Uh, definitely go pick them up if you have any sort of expendable, expendable roster spot available. Uh, the only other guy on the Colts that we're looking at is Michael Pittman. Uh, he ended up coming through for you if you're in a PPR format. If you're in non-PPR, he was okay. Uh, 10 for 14, if you just heard that, you'd think he did great, especially against this uh, you know shady secondary <laughs> here in Minnesota. But 60 total yards out of 10 catches, that's almost impressive how, how uh, inefficient that is. But he, end, he ended up adding uh, two carries on the ground for th- another 30 yards. So that kind of saved his day from a non-PPR perspective. And then 10 catches is, you know, that'll get it done in PPR. And even half, he was probably solid. So he's a wide receiver three. And that's pretty much it on the bike. On the uh, the Colts side, it's going to be Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, pick your poison, and then Pittman as a, you know, an okay flex play. And, uh, yeah, this, this team is just not very good. So that's pretty much all there is uh, on the Colts side. Yep. And then on the Vikings side, uh, as wild as the game was, I don't really think my opinion on anybody changed too much, uh, save for one guy that we'll talk about here in a second. But all the options pretty much came through for you. JJ, he's really good. Uh, Dalvin Cook, he had an excellent game. Kirk Cousins, my God, he had a nuclear performance in this one. Uh, basically single-handedly won me one of my leagues this week. Thank you, Kirk. Uh, And they play the Giants next week, so that's not a matchup that scares you at all. They're going to be in a dome, which is actually a big deal these days, especially next weekend. There's supposed to be a lot of weather-related you know, shenanigans going on across the league. So the fact that they play in a dome at home could, you know, really, really end up mattering here in Week 16, but... Um, the only, the only guy that really had a dud performance out of the group was TJ Hawkinson. He still had nine targets and caught a two point conversion. So 10 total opportunities. If you want to include the two point conversion, only three catches for 33 yards, but he's a tight end. So you're just going to keep starting him. KJ Osborne. That's the one guy that we want to discuss here. He had 16 targets in this game. He looked fantastic. Obviously, a lot of that was due to the fact that they were, you know, climbing back into the game for a large majority of it. But Adam Thielen only ended up with four targets in this game. 
Um, are we moving the needle here? Usually I am you know, very against overreacting to one game sample sizes here, but uh, this you know, 16 to four is a pretty large discrepancy. And I think Osborne actually looked the part in this one. So are we buying this at all? Or are you just uh, writing this off as a one-off? Um, I think if you're shooting for a wide receiver in the Adam Thielen tier, I, I wouldn't mind maybe taking a look at KJ Osborne next week. They play the Giants, so I mean, I'm I would if you I guess if you would have told me do I think Indian Indianapolis was going to be able to score and keep up with Minnesota, I would have told you no. But I really don't think the Giants will be able to next week. Um, and their defense is pretty good. I think going into next week's matchup, I probably would recommend going away from Thielen. So I'm not going to be super excited on KJ Osborne, but when both those two guys are out on the field, I think KJ Osborne does look better. So if you're going to go, if you plan on playing Thielen next week, maybe go see if KJ Osborne's out there. I think he's the better number two in this offense. Yeah, I don't know. I think that game could be sneaky high scoring. Uh, the over under is 47 and a half. So that's, cool. I mean, that's what this game was coming in. So yeah. I, I think there could be a decent amount of points. That Giants defense, I feel like uh, they're kind of they're, they're opportunistic. They have some good playmakers, but I would not call them good. I think I would expect Minnesota to move the ball up and down the field on them. And then Minnesota's defense. My God, they are they are horrible, <laughs> terrible at almost every level. I mean, good on them for playing a good second half. They ended up they just started blitzing Matt Ryan all like every play, which I don't know why they weren't doing from the start. Right, he can't move at all. So if you get pressure on him instantly, I mean, he he just can't get out of the pocket whatsoever. So that should have been a plan from the start. But uh, yeah, I mean, their their secondary is bad. Their linebackers are bad. They have some interesting uh, edge rushers, but. You know, I, I, I expect the Giants to be able to score 20 points on them, you know, like they did against the Commanders. And if they do that, you know, that, that could lead to 27 or 30 for the, the Vikings offense. I guess we'll just have to – we'll assess these options as we move on later in the week here. But I think they could be interesting. Yep. Let's go ahead and move on to the next Saturday game here. This one won't take quite as long. Baltimore at <laughs> Cleveland. Really ugly divisional matchup. We thought we saw an ugly divisional matchup with Baltimore and Pittsburgh the week before, but we had not seen anything yet. 13-3, to Cleveland takes this one at home. My stat of the game, J.K. Dobbins, despite the three-point effort by the Ravens, had himself a day. He has 245 yards in his first two games back from injury on 8.75 yards per carry. That's... That's pretty good. I'd say I'd say that's safe to say he's back and you know is the lead guy for this Baltimore backfield and he gets Atlanta next week. Uh, yes, yes, please. He will absolutely be in my lineup <laughs> if he's on. If he's in any of your teams and you're still alive, uh, fire up J.K. Dobbins. He could have a week winning week easily. But other than him, he was kind of a lone bright spot on this team. Obviously, they only scored three points, so you can't imagine that uh, many of the options came through for you. Even two missed field goals from Justin Tucker. I believe that's the first time that has happened in his career. Uh, the big question on the, the Ravens side here is Mark Andrews, Cody. What do we do with him? I mean, it's tight end, so it's really hard to recommend sitting him, but how low of an option are we willing to pivot to? Let me give you a name here. Um, would you pivot to somebody like an Evan Ingram if he found your way onto your bench? He does play the Jets next weekend, so it's a tough matchup, but would you go that low to replace Andrews, or are you still just riding him out? Yeah, I, I'd – I get where you're going with the level of Evan Ingram, but that Jets matchup's just a no go for me. I can't. I cannot. Uh, Mark Dawson Knox at Chicago. Next yeah, week. that's that's the no. I mean, I heard that one on another podcast today that really had me questioning because um, they play. Is it at Chicago? It's at Chicago. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's a juicy matchup there for Dawson Knox, and he looked really good last week. Um, 
I think it may depend a little bit. I don't know. I, I guess if it's Tyler Huntley, I would maybe go to Dawson Let's Knox. Let's assume it's Huntley. To, yeah, I, I mean, would. yeah, I, 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 no, honestly, I would not because I am a B word and I would just play Mark Andrews because he's the superstar mega talent that could just go off. But if you are, if you have the stones, Baltimore gets Atlanta next week too. So yeah, if I, you have the stones and you want to take the chance, I mean. I've liked Dawson Knox a lot for, for multiple years now. I mean, when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback, you're capable to go off any given week, especially in a juicy matchup like Chicago. But me, just the fantasy player I am, I mean, I'm just not going to pivot off the superstar mega talent unless there's some negative news that comes out this week. I have, I have one I think that's a little bit tougher. Would you play Andrews or Darren Waller next week? Man, uh, the Raiders play the Steelers on the road. I think yeah. that matchup would make me stick with Andrews in that situation as well. See, that's kind of the problem. I went through a few of these uh, matchups next week, and there is, man, the slate next week looks rough. I think there's a potential for duds across the board next week. I, I don't know if you've taken a look at this slate, but there are many games under 40 and the over-under total, and I think weather has a large, uh, large part to do with that, but... Um, there's just a lot of those fringe tight end options that have really bad matchups. So it just makes it hard for me to recommend starting them over Mark Andrews, especially when he has a really good one at home against Atlanta. So I think you're probably sticking with them unless, you know, you picked up a David and Joku or something like that, you know, a, a top five or six option. Some, at some point in the year, you can go ahead and start them, but I think you're rolling with Andrews. Otherwise, he's still getting the targets. He got seven looks in this one. That The production has just not been there. I have to imagine he's still a little banged up. He was amazing earlier this year, got hurt, and basically since he's come back, he has just not been the same guy. So it stands to reason that he might not be 100% healthy right now. Uh, but, yeah, seven looks still. I, I think at a, from the tight end position, it's hard to argue with that. And against Atlanta, it's going to be hard for me to turn my back on him unless, again, you have like an elite top five type option like a Hawkinson or a, you know, an Njoku, someone like that. Yep. Alrighty. And then the Brown side, uh, just in, you know, another uninspiring effort here with Watson under center. Uh, obviously, their offense didn't have to do a ton because uh, Baltimore only scored three points. But Nick Chubb, again, pretty disappointing. 21 for 99 on the ground is fine, especially against a good Baltimore run D, but didn't score, didn't catch any passes. So, that's not going to really do it for you. That's, you know, 9.9 points and full PPR. That's a really bad game and non it's, it's fine, but it's not moving the needle like he was earlier this year. Yep. Mari Cooper, another just fine effort four for six, 58 yards. He really has just not shown us much since Watson came into the lineup. PPJ, he saved you with a touchdown only four for four for 31 yards though. Um, so, you know, again, bailed you out with a touchdown, but not very inspiring. And then David Njoku had kind of a dud as well, but it's tight end, so you just got to keep firing him in there. He had six targets, and that you know most of the time that'll that'll get get it done for the tight end position. Uh, no opinion on the tra- no really opinion change on the Browns for me. The only problem is is what we just discussed earlier, and that that is next week's over under is thirty two and a half. So I just don't know how you can you know really have a lot of confidence any of these guys are going to get it done for you. Uh, I think Chubb is obviously in your lineup. Are you pivoting off of the rest of the pass catchers here uh, because of that game script and the way it's looked so far, or are you sticking with Cooper and potentially DPJ as a deep league flex? Um, both of them, just going to see what – it's just going to be what your options are, and hopefully we can help you out with that as we go through some of these other games. Um, but, yes, would I be looking to pivot off of Mario and DPJ? Absolutely. It just depends on what your next lowest you know option is on the – 
on your bench. Um, David Njoku, I mean, I would not like to play him in a game that has a 31.5 point over-under next week, but like you said, he's tight end. If he gets six targets, I mean, if he catches five for 50 yards, you're going to be happy at that position regardless if he gets in the end zone. So I think Njoku is just kind of locked in, um, mostly because he has seen somewhat of a safe floor and he has the potential um, to, you know, catch a long one for a touchdown or, or just kind of run up the rack or yak. Sorry. So let me let me throw out a couple names here real quick and just kind of see where you're feeling. Uh, how about KJ Osborne, the guy we just talked about? Would you consider him over either one of these options next week? Uh, again, probably a slightly friendlier game script in that Giants matchup. Yeah, I think um, if I have these two options, I may be looking to see if I can add KJ Osborne and then see what our weather report's looking like on Saturday or Sunday. Um, actually, this yeah, game might call. be Saturday. Also, heads up for next week, a lot of uh, Christmas-related whole changes for Saturday, it's basically yeah. Saturday. So um, basically, I, w- I would, wouldn't mind holding on to him, wait to see what the weather's going to be like. If the weather's going to be as bad as they're predicting right now, then just make the switch to KJ Osborne because the chance of either wide receiver being – any kind of productive is 100% on chance. So um, at that point, give me the, the better, give me the skill player in the dome and controlled environment over even the better player just in a completely, you know, either a windstorm or a snowstorm, whatever it ends up being. Uh, one more for you. This one, I actually, I'm glad that I uh, ended up catching this because I wanted to talk about this guy anyway. He was from the Thursday night game though. Marquise Goodwin with no Tyler Lockett at Kansas City next week. Uh, would you consider him over uh, one of these two guys? Um, man, that's going pretty far down the totem pole for me. I don't necessarily – I like the matchup next week. Uh, well, I mean, I'd say that, but Kansas City didn't really get thrown on. They just had a lot of flags called. So the wide receivers from Houston didn't necessarily uh, do too much. But It's I, been a I've, pretty good matchup this year so far. Yes, though. it has. Exactly. secondary is not yeah. good. And yeah. you have to throw on them because obviously the offense is so good. So I'd be pretty interested myself, honestly. I think at this yeah. point, if you had, if I had to make this call right now with no further weather update, I'm right. I would take Marquise Goodwin over both of these options. Assuming Tyler Lockett misses, he's, you know, he's he's been on the fence about whether he can play or not. Originally, it was a two week timeline, but obviously that is going to be the determining factor. But if he's out, I I actually like Marquise Goodwin quite a bit. You think Marquise Goodwin's a guy you could put a $0 fab claim on and maybe just sneak him through on on waivers, or you think he's someone See, you got to pay I just don't for. think there's any point in putting in $0 fab claims anymore. Just If you think Marquise Goodwin has a minuscule chance of upgrading your lineup this week and you're in a semifinal matchup, dump yeah. the rest of your fab on him. Yeah, It does not matter anymore. You just need to win every game you're in. So there's no reason to save it. If you have fab left, just dump it on Marquise Goodwin. Hope that... You know, if he ends up helping your lineup, great. If not, then no reason to hang on to the fab anymore. It's it's that time of year. You know, I'm going to take your all advice. Right. <laughs> I got thirty four dollars in fab. Know. I'm blowing it all. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't be shouldn't be giving out this advice right now. I'm, I'm a little conflicted about uh, how uh, honest I want my opinions to be on this podcast, but. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, the the nightcap here on Saturday. It was another really good game here. Miami at Buffalo, thirty two twenty nine. Buffalo takes it. The you know the worries of the Snowmageddon Bowl did not really come true until the very end of the game. So most of it was, you know, pretty much just a, a cold atmosphere. But uh, obviously the offenses were able to produce here. My stat of the game: 
Tyree Kill is on pace for 1,856 receiving yards this year. That would be the fourth highest total in NFL history, and he is second in the NFL in receiving yards by about 100. So that just goes to show how uh, how good of a season him and Justin Jefferson are having. JJ, I believe right now is on pace to break the single season uh, receiving yards record. Obviously, he has the extra game, but uh, you know, over the the annals of history, I think you just gotta. That's that's the type of thing that you just that, that kind of gets forgotten at the end of the day. It's I think just the total number is the mark, and that's just the way that it goes. You can't um, put the blame on the player for the NFL wanting to make more money. Yeah, is the way that I see exactly. that. Like like the older guys that are like, ah, he didn't break the record because he didn't have one more game. Like he didn't choose to play an extra game, so that's not you can't you can't hold the record from him because of that, in my opinion. Yeah, and let, let's look back at the the home run record. Roger Maris is sixty one. That was widely considered the record for you know however many years after it happened. Even though Babe Ruth had the sixty and less games, so I think I think ten years from now, if this is still the mark, we'll be talking about JJ as the leader if he ends up breaking it, even if it's in game you know seventeen. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the Dolphins side of this game. Uh, pretty much all the Dolphins you wanted to start did well for you. Uh, they, they all came through and, you know, Tua I think is the only one that you could say maybe didn't, but I think what, from what we were expecting going in, he had a solid game, 17 for 30. That's a little bit lower than you would expect from him, but 234 and two is very solid against a good Buffalo defense on the road. You know, we were telling you to rent, you know, to, to kind of lower expectations for him. And I think this is about what we were expecting, maybe even a little better with no turnovers. Um, and then uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both came through. Waddle hit the big play, the 67-yard touchdown. That's why we told you, you just can't sit these guys, even though he'd been, you know, off his game for a couple of weeks. That type of play was just waiting to happen for him. He's too good to put on your bench. And then Raheem Mostert, my goodness, he looked fantastic. 17 for 136 on the ground, almost housed one, uh, got horse collared down uh actually at the you know five or six yard line ended up costing him a touchdown and then salvin ahmed later in the game vultured a touchdown from him but he also caught a 20 yard pass so he was fantastic even without the score do you think he is the lead guy for you when wilson comes back or do you still not have uh confidence that you know it won't go back to the, the even split that it was before um, I think it's going to probably go back a little bit to a split. Probably still looking a little bit Mostert's way after the performance he just had and uh, Wilson coming off the injury. So if you played Mostert this week and you're needing him for next week, I would say just come in with expectations. He's probably going to be about 70-30. So he's still going to have the majority, but I think Wilson's going to definitely get worked in. So you're comfortable starting him next week against Green Bay. That's a pretty soft matchup at home, even with the prospect of, say, let's say Wilson's healthy and he comes back. Uh, would you have any reservations starting Mostert, or would you just fire him up after this performance? Um, I think it depends on who you have as your other options, obviously, and the format, because I, I would say he's definitely not going to be the pass-catching running back if Wilson's fully healthy. Um, sure. But, I mean, if you get 70% of what he did this week, that's, that, that's the way that I would personally look at it. You know, if he got you – you know, well, with the PPR points, if he got you close to 20, you know, if he's going to be closer to that 12 to 14 range next week, are you going to be happy with that? Are you going to need more than that? That That's kind of how I would judge it. If I was a Mostert owner going into next week, look at your matchup, look at your other options um, and see, you know, if he put 12 to 14 points on the board for you next week on a 70, 30 split, would you be happy with that? 
Um, I think I think he's going to be in my RB2 tier next week. I'm pretty confident uh, in Mostert just as a player. He looked, nice. again, looked the part this week on the road against Buffalo, who had been a very tough defense to run on, and he gets a, a much weaker run defense next week at home with a healthy 46.5 point over under in a game they are favored by 5.5. So with all those factors going into it, uh, and obviously Wilson coming off the injury, not even guaranteed to play, I think I would be pretty confident starting Raheem Mostert next week myself. Um on the bill side, uh, again, not too much in the way of opinion changes here. Josh Allen, he absolutely came through for you if you had him in a playoff matchup, 304 and four through the air. 10 for 77 on the ground, did lose a fumble, but uh, you know those numbers are more than enough to get it done. He really spread the ball around, though, especially the touchdowns, and neither one of them went to his two main guys. So uh, a lot of disappointing games all around here for the other Bills options other than Dawson Knox. He was 6 for 8 for 98 yards and a score. We'll talk about him in a second. But uh, Diggs, 5 for 9 for 60 yards. I'm assuming we're not really worried about him. He's had a couple you know, somewhat down performances recently, but he's Stephon Diggs. Uh, unless you have anything to add, I think you just keep starting him and you're not worried about him. Uh, and then Gabe Davis is really the guy we should have a conversation about. I mean, he's been kind of on the outs for a while now, but do you have any confidence putting him in your lineup next week against Chicago and just hoping, or are you pretty much just avoiding him at this point? I mean, yeah, when it comes to Davis, next week against Chicago is a week that you would necessarily want to fire him up. Um, I know Miami should be another well, I game. Think this you, week would have been too. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. You would think that. Um I mean, since their bye week, which was week seven, he has only scored um, 10 or more or 11 or more fantasy points in two out of four, out of eight weeks. So he's getting you over 10, 25% of the time right now. I think I think he's he's definitely someone who's 100% matchup dependent. And I don't want to keep using that, you know, buyout. But, I mean, if you need someone that has the chance to you – know, catch a long touchdown and maybe get in the end zone a second time. Davis against Chicago can do that. But if you're someone that's going to be in a close matchup, and I think I probably got to go away from Davis. There's just too much data now. He's more of a, you know, really, really boom bust wide receiver and not someone that you can really lock and load for, for a fan or for a playoff matchup. Yeah, I am pretty nervous here. I think I'm pretty much avoiding at all costs, uh, you know, where you can. Obviously, you just got to, again, just whatever options you have. I think at this point, uh, I'm going to use that Marquise Goodwin line again. I would I would pick up and play Marquise Goodwin over Gabe Davis next week if I had to make the decision right now. Dawson Knox, he, again, he had a, another good outing that's two in a row for him. Are we to any sort of trustworthy status with him? Has he at least moved out of the streaming tier of tight ends, or are you not buying this two-game sample uh, from Dawson Knox? Um, I like the matchup next week against Chicago. Same thing I just said about Davis. So I do think he's probably a little bit of a bump up out of the um, the touchdown or bust tier. Probably still considered a streamer in my eyes, but, I mean, there's two weeks left of fantasy football, so you're either playing a guy or you're not, and, and I think Dawson Knox is a guy you can play next week in the tight end position. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's solidly in the you know top eight or nine of tight ends, probably towards the lower end of that tier. But uh, he has played pretty well the past few weeks, and he plays on a really good offense. So that's most of you know that's like uh, that's a couple of the, the things that you are looking for out of the tight end position. He has a probably as good of a chance of a touchdown as any one of those guys in the lower tier uh, of tight end starters. 
Lions at the Jets uh, is our first game on the Sunday slate. 20-17, to 17, Detroit ends up taking this one on the road. A hard-fought battle here, my stat of the game. This is now eight straight games that in a running back has failed to score 10 half PPR points. That is not a high bar against the Lions. Pretty incredible. I think, uh, you know, we've, t- we've been talking about it for a couple weeks. I, you know, want to give us some props there. We were on this a little earlier than the, the general media, I think, but... Uh, this Detroit matchup has turned into a, a really tough one for running backs, and I think it will you know, be something to consider moving forward here. Pretty much what we expected from the Detroit side, though. I think you know this offense put in a decent effort. They ended up getting to 20 points against a good defense on the road, but it was muted production across the board pretty much. Uh, Jared Goff was fine, but not great. 250 and two, or 252 and a touchdown, and it came late on kind of a broken play, uh, that 51-yard score that put them up late in the fourth quarter. So he you know could have had an even worse day there. Amon Ross St. Brown was fine, 7 for 10, 76 yards. Uh, you know, you'll take that from him. Jamal Williams was the only dud in this game, really like complete dud from the Detroit side. But, you know, we, we've always know what he's about. If he doesn't score the touchdown, you know, he's going to have a rough day. He actually had a touchdown called back uh, by a holding penalty. So that would have been his, you know, saving score, but did not end up working out for him. DeAndre Swift was solid, not widely started, I wouldn't imagine. And I don't know how you could have a ton of confidence in him moving forward. Still only eight carries, got nine targets, but you have any confidence in DeAndre Swift more than, you know, anything more than I do, I would, I'd be trying to avoid him moving forward unless, you know, he shows me something next week, I guess. Uh, Yeah. One thing on DeAndre Swift right there, those, those nine targets mostly came because there were a lot of people downfield were covered and Jared Goff was just having to dump the ball down quite a bit throughout the game. Um, So I, I don't think those nine targets are anything that I'm going to hold value for when it comes to DeAndre Swift. Um, next week against Carolina, another tough defense, but I could definitely see that number kind of going back down to three to five. So I, I don't put a lot of stock in those receptions. So I'm, I'm with you there on Swift. Um, unless we see something which we would never expect to from the Lions coming out saying that they're going back to him as the RB1, he's got to be on your bench next week. Or he's an extremely boom-bust flex if if you're just desperate. But I'd imagine if you're the you know in the final four teams of your playoffs, you are – you're pretty good. Yeah, I think DeAndre Swift is someone we're not trying to start next week unless you are completely desperate. What on about the Jets side? On, the, on Jamal Williams, are you concerned at all about him or are you loading him back up as a back-end RB2 again next week? Because I think I'm a little I mean, bit down I, on him against Carolina. I think you just have to know what you're getting here. Uh, I think that the Lions are going to have, you know, maybe not, easier and much easier sledding against the Panthers, but I think they're more likely to be winning that game. And, you yeah. know, running back's a really tough position right now. I think he's got still a good of chance as anybody to score. So I'd be okay starting him in my RB2 slot. Feel much, much better about him in non-PBR. Uh, maybe you're trying to avoid him in a full PBR setting, but, you know, I, he's, he's leading the, the league in touchdowns from the running back position. So it's hard to completely say, you know, you got to go away from him. I think this is just this is who he is. If he doesn't score, he's not going to have a great game, but he is probably more likely to score than not most weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Zach Moss or Jamal Williams next week? Oh, give me Jamal Williams. Okay. That's not even that close. Okay. No, I just wanted to make sure that, that I had your gauge there on that. That makes I, I don't mind that. Yeah. Um, and then on the Jets side, 
Zach Wilson, he looked mostly awful as usual. Uh, 18 of 35, <laughs> 317 and two with a pick. So the numbers actually ended up okay. But I, if you watch this game, you would he's you awful. Would know that he is really just bad at playing quarterback in the NFL. So I, I don't know. There's no you know other way to say it than that. Uh, luckily though, uh, I am not scared off of Garrett Wilson while he's in the lineup. Four for nine for 98 yards for Wilson. He's the clear number one in this offense, and he is just really, really good. He makes plays down the field. I think every game he pretty much just makes a big play. And then next week they get Jacksonville. That matchup does not scare you. Uh, CD nope. Lamb just lit them up. Uh, so yeah, that, that Jacksonville secondary is nothing to worry about. I think Wilson is just fine. He's just more of a you know back end boom bust wide receiver two type than the you know high end wide receiver two he is. Uh, if Mike White. Uh, was in there. And again, I actually uh, should have put this in the news section. That's my bad. But he, uh, Zach Wilson, is probably going to start on Thursday. The Jets have announced. Uh, it's, they just don't think that Mike White's going to be able to be cleared in the short turnaround here. So disappointing for Garrett Wilson owners. But it will be another week of Zach Wilson in all likelihood. And then, like we said, a tough game for Bam Knight in this one 13 for 23. My God, this Detroit run defense has just turned into an absolutely elite unit. Seems like overnight almost. Uh, so yeah, I don't really know if I'm, you know, totally off of Donovan Knight necessarily. I think he'll be fine and probably in the RB2 tier next week. I think this matchup is just a really, really tough one now. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more probably about Donovan Knight going into next week. And I'm kind of curious how he's going to fall rankings wise with a few injuries and stuff. But, um, I mean, yeah, you're definitely holding on to him and and we'll see where we want to play him next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, in Detroit, I mean, they play against Carolina next week. So I think one thing about this game with Detroit is they knew they could just stack the box and just try and let Zach exactly. Wilson beat them. And, yeah. I mean, I don't think Sam Darnold's – I mean, he's had a couple of decent performances with uh, with the Panthers since taking over the starting job, but I don't think it's much different for him either. They may be able just to stack the box against those running yeah. uh, Panthers running backs. And so, yeah, this Detroit defense is going to be probably on a one pretty historical run against uh, the run uh, to end a fantasy season. I mean, they are just killing fantasy managers week in and week out. After what we saw from the Panthers backs this week, I think you were going to be hard pressed to start them anyway. But now that they're playing against the Lions, you're pretty much just full avoid. Uh, but personally, Zonovan against the uh, the Jaguars, I think I'll be just fine starting him next week if you made it through with him in your lineup. The Jags actually have a pretty good rush defense. They give up a lot of touchdowns, though, because the rest of their defense is not so good. So I think he'll be just fine uh, in that matchup. For sure. Just disappointed he didn't get any targets, honestly. I think that's the biggest thing. That's just, that, that's more Zach Wilson than anything else. Uh, Mike yep. White much more frequently targets the running back position. Uh, let's get to that Jacksonville game, though. 40-34, to 34, Jacksonville wins a thriller in overtime here. My stat of the game. This is the first time in NFL history three teams have come from back, uh, come back from down 17-1 and one in a single week. The Vikings obviously did it, the Jags in this one, and then the Bengals in a game we will talk about later. All three of them came back from 17 points or more down and won their games. I was actually kind of surprised to see that's the first time in NFL history. There's been a lot of weeks in NFL history, so that's pretty impressive that this is the first time that's happened. On the Dallas side, um, again, I don't really think anything changed for me here. Zeke yep. was good. He's up to seven straight games with a rush TD. Pollard was good as well. Did not score, but over 100 total yards, caught four balls, so he did just fine for you. Dak, I think he was mostly very good in this one, except for one horrible mistake. That was his interception uh, in the third quarter, deep in his own end, uh, just kind of got pressured, and he's he's just sort of done this a few times this year where he you know steps up into the pocket, gets hit, and then the ball just sort of flutters into the middle and he got picked. So 
just uh, you know, that that mistake was bad by Dak, but overall, I think he played really well. The uh, the overtime interception was just a complete fluke uh, off the hands of Noah Brown, and you know, bounced right to the Jacksonville guy off a of deflection. So I don't really blame him at all for that. CD Lamb was great. Schultz dudded you, but he's a tight end, so you got to keep rolling him out there. Uh, do you have anything to add on Dallas? Yeah, Dallas is super simple for me. Nothing changed. I think going into next week against Philadelphia, the the big five, Zeke, Pollard, Dak, Lamb, and Schultz, you can fire up. Uh, Dak maybe gets a little bit of a, of a downtick because the Eagles defense has been pretty good. So if there's a good streamer out there, maybe avoid Dak. But the other four, right, four, yeah, the other four are lineup blocks for sure. Yeah, I think that that's a good call there. Dak is the one you can have a conversation about. The rest of them are definitely in your lineup, though. Uh, and then on the Jacksonville side, my goodness, holy Trevor Lawrence, Cody. He has looked fantastic recently. 27 for 42, 318, and four through the air. Did have an interception. Uh, but, man, he has just impressed, uh, I think, anybody with eyeballs. And that Urban Meyer signing, or that Urban Meyer hire is just looking worse by the day. My God, thank you that we got him out of there and, you know, got Trevor Lawrence with a competent coach and Doug Peterson because he looks like the prospect we kind of expected him to be. Zay Jones, he's been a revelation of late. Six of eight, 109 yards, three scores through the air. Uh, the only the only problem here that's going to you know kind of apply to everybody on this Jacksonville team is that Jets matchup. That defense is absolutely elite, probably the second best in the NFL behind the 49ers. And you know it just sort of scares me off of going all in on these options. I think I would be otherwise. They play Houston Week 17. I'd be firing them up in that one, but. You know, I, I don't know. How do you feel about Zay Jones against the Jets? I, I, I'm just not very confident that they're going to have any sort of boom performance. You're kind of hoping for, you know, what Amon Ross St. Brown did this week, like a seven for 70 type of performance. Yeah, I mean, I was hesitant to fire up Zay Jones this week against the Cowboys. Uh, and I think you were more on the positive side of that. So good call. But yeah, the Jets, I mean, the the Lions offense has been absolutely rolling um, as of late. And they, they were held in check against the Jets. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is a step up from Jared Goff. He may be able to get a little bit more rolling, but ultimately it's just these these ancillary pieces are going to be very, very boom bust in this game and a, and a very good likelihood of busting. So um, I think it's a little, again, a little matchup dependent because if you're needing some uh, boom bust options, I think these Jacksonville guys are playable. But, you know, if you have a good projection and you just need some safer plays, these guys are the guys you want to try and avoid this week. And then Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram both had solid weeks as well. Both got 10 targets. Kirk, 6 for 92. Ingram, 8 for 62. Uh, you'll take that from the tight end position. And then oh, for yeah. Kirk, I think he might be the one guy I'm okay with next week. The The Jets have two excellent outside corners uh, that will match up against Zay Jones and probably Marvin Jones into the side. Kirk, though, gets to play in the slot. And uh, those two great outside corners do not really move around a ton on that Jets defense. So Kirk actually could be an okay option next week against the Jets. Uh, but again, he's just, he's go, they're all going to get a tick down just because uh, the, the offense is probably just not going to produce quite as much. Kansas City at Houston, Cody. Um, your Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Houston Texans 30-24 to in overtime. My stat Another of the game, w, Jared baby. McKinnon. Yeah, this, this, uh, yeah, this. <laughs> It's a W. That's that's about all you can say about it. But uh, Jarek McKinnon and Josh Jacobs are the only two running backs to finish as RB1 for the week on two separate occasions this year. McKinnon has done it in back-to-back -back weeks. 
Uh, so let's start off with Jarek McKinnon. 10 for 52 and a score on the ground. 8 for 8 for another 70 yards and a score through the air. He has been awesome three weeks in a row now. He still scares the hell out of me in a fantasy playoff situation, but it's really hard not to start him next week, especially against the Seahawks. Are you? Uh, do you have more confidence than I do, or are you – no, I, I think I'd still be starting him in most situations, but I just I'm scared that there is a dud coming here somewhere. Uh, but it's really hard to argue with what you've seen lately. Yeah, he's he's still in that boom bust category for sure. Um, you love to see the involvement. I mean, 18 opportunities out of the running back position, you're going to take that. Pacheco right behind him was 16, so it's nice to see Andy Reid kind of going to the running back position a little bit more often than he probably has in the past. Um, but I mean, if you're if you're going to see five plus passing opportunities from Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the Chiefs are really good about getting players into space, and then I mean, the players they have have been good about taking advantage of it. So, I, I do think he's very risky. Like you said, there's definitely the chance where, I mean, him. I I think Pacheco's the safer play just because he's labeled the RB one, but McKinnon's out there all the time. It feels like. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. So I I do think there's risk, but. He's definitely playable in a lot of situations. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, these touchdowns, though, I mean, they just they feel pretty fluky to me. That obviously that is, the, the touchdowns are very, had, very fluky. Yeah, for sure. the the rushing score in overtime where he just you know gets the breakaway run on the first play that they have the ball after the turnover. So you, I mean, obviously that's that's great, but not sure you want to count on that. And then uh, even the touchdown he had through the air was just kind of a dump off that he ended up just getting a completely busted coverage on he ran down the sideline for a 20 yard score so i'm more intrigued by the 18 opportunities than anything else but i you know i could just see it swinging back the other way there's a reason that he was basically non even not even on the radar for fantasy until three weeks ago so i i just say temporary expectations but definitely an option especially against the seahawks next week that's a fantastic matchup and then uh Pacheco, as Cody mentioned he had 15 carries in this one for 86 yards caught a ball for 11 yards lost a fumble though he had a fine yardage total, but that fumble really killed a lot of his momentum. He was benched, I'm pretty sure, for a portion of that game after he lost the fumble. I didn't see him for a while out there. Ronald Jones got a couple opportunities. So he was yeah, Pacheco I, was definitely benched for the rest of that first half. Yeah, he would have had a much bigger game, I think, if he had not lost that fumble because he was rolling pretty good in the first half, uh, you know, early on against that weak Houston run defense. So disappointing for Pacheco, but still think he's going to be the guy on running downs. And again, another great matchup against Seattle next week. So you can definitely yep. start him again. Juju, he had another solid game, continues to, uh, you know, put my foot in my mouth for me. 10 for 10 on the targets there for 88 yards. So solid game. Uh, again, I think if you roll into the next week with the same allotment of Chiefs receivers, then you can be pretty confident starting Juju. But if it's, uh, you know, if you add in McCole Hardman and you get a full practice from Gadarius Tony, I'd be a little bit more worried. Uh, I don't know how you really turn away from him at this point, though. Ten targets from Patrick Mahomes is very hard to argue with. Do you have anything to add um, on Juju or any of the other Chiefs guys? No, we'll say Tony did make uh, at least play in this game. So you'd imagine as long as his hamstring can hold up, he'd get yeah, healthier. Target, so got to be you know a little bit concerned about him potentially getting some more involvement. But at this point, I mean, I mean, if Juju's gotten you to your semifinal round, I, it's going to be hard to move him to your bench, especially um, if we don't get any positive injury news from either Tony or McCole Hardman. And then the Texans side, I don't even need to spend much time on any of these guys. Uh, Chris Moore had solid target volume in this one, four for nine, 42 yards. But if you can't really get it done against KC, I'm not going to trust you against anybody else. So 
think we're just completely avoiding everyone on Houston, but good on them as a team. They, you know, they, they come out and fight every single week. I, I guess you can give them that, but I, uh, I, I think they're upsetting Tennessee this, this next week. I think, I think he, I'm going to call it on this okay. episode. I think Houston's beating Tennessee next week. Wow. So. They've been, they've been in some close games, and Tennessee is reeling, which that may be that may be bad on me for saying that, but I think, I mean, they've lost four in a row. I mean, I think Houston making it five in a row just really throws some uh, just That's negativity on, on them. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, Houston has just done some weird stuff. I will say, I mean, they were getting a lot of calls against the Chiefs secondary, which a lot of people have recently. Maybe just got to quit holding on to jerseys, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not. You know, when you see the jerseys uh, stretching out, red cup glasses, but yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I I do think Houston just they are going to upset somebody. If if it's not Tennessee next week, then watch out for them the final two weeks. I just I feel like they they're going to upset someone these final. Down the down the stretch, and they're going to throw some wrench into some playoff plans because they they're close to hey, doing it week after week. For your Jaguars, I hope that's the case. They actually they control their own destiny, believe it or not. At this point, uh, if they win out, they actually play the Titans in the last game of the year, so they would you know obviously beat them and then hold the tiebreaker, winning both of those games. So, Jacksonville Jaguars have a sneaky shot to make the playoffs here as the you know the fourth seed in the AFC. So that would be pretty interesting if they're able to make that turnaround. Yeah, I do want to touch on one thing before we move from this game. I know we're yep. kind of going a little bit long here, but uh, Let's hear it. Uh, with with Damian Pierce, um, I, I guess I just want to get your end of season kind of wrap up on him. He obviously got put on IR. He's going to be done for the rest of the year. Um, he was drafted relatively later in, later in drafts. Do you trust this Houston team to keep Damian Pierce as a keeper if you got him late in drafts, or does the Houston team scare you and you just want to maybe find a team that has a little bit more stability and you're not worried about someone coming in and taking work? No, not at all. I, I like Damian Pierce uh, quite a bit. I feel like you know what you saw from him this year is enough for the Texans to make him their starter moving forward. I'd be surprised. I mean, there is uh, Bijan Robinson is kind of the the generational running back prospect that's coming out in the 23 draft. He just announced today that he is officially declaring. So. Yep. Beyond them drafting him, um, you know, or another guy in the second round, I just don't think it makes a ton of sense for them to, you know, invest a high draft capital in a running back when they have a decent player at a, you know, fourth round draft price there. So the, the contract's not going to be too bad for them. I think it makes all the sense in the world for them to kind of build the offense around Damian Pierce, get a good young quarterback with the top pick, and then, uh, you know, build out the rest of the team beyond that. And it could end up being a pretty good situation. We've seen these things flip pretty quickly in the NFL before. So I'd be pretty, pretty confident in Damian Pierce. He's a young player and he looked good uh, when given the opportunity. So if you give him, you know, a good quarterback and maybe another good offensive lineman and you get John Mechie back, this team could be interesting next year. Yeah. Cool. I just wanted to kind of get a touch on him. Sucks that his season kind of came to an end because he was a uh, pretty big highlight for a lot of people who drafted him this year up until his kind of stretch recently where he's has kind of came back to earth, but. All right, I cool. will give Houston. I will give Houston some credit, though. I think this organization is moving in the right direction, and putting him on IR is definitely the smart move. There's no reason oh, yeah. to rush him back from anything. If it's you know if it's still bothering him, just put him on IR. Make sure he's healthy for next year. You're not playing for anything. You probably want to lose games at this point anyway. So for sure, um, good on Houston. They they seem like they're headed in the right direction organizationally. Philadelphia at Chicago is our next game. The Eagles took this one 25 to 20. I wish I would have put the Bears plus eight in my best bets segment, but alas, it 
made my you know my fourth spot on the roster there. So hopefully a couple of you guys listen to me on that one. My stat of the game, the Eagles have 55 sacks through 14 games. That is the most of any team in the last 20 seasons through 14 games in an NFL season. They are very good, and their defensive line may be the highlight of the team, uh, and there's quite a few of them to go around. But Jalen Hurts, he had a great performance, uh, 315 through the air, no touchdowns, two picks, but 17 for 61 on the ground and three scores. Uh, there is no doubt what they're going to do. If they get down to the one-yard line, uh, they're, they're, it's, just, it's kind of funny that I, I feel like uh, a lot of times you know, people, have just, people always just wonder, why don't you just – hike the ball, and then get everybody behind the quarterback and push him into the end zone. And the Eagles have just said, okay, let's just do that, and no one can stop it, even though you absolutely know exactly what they're going to do. Uh, their, their offensive line is just too good, and it's it's pretty smart. I don't know why more teams don't employ that. I mean, obviously nobody, not everyone has the best offensive line in the NFL, but I feel like other teams could learn a thing or two from that. Uh, anyway, Jalen Hurts is really good. Unfortunately, he's probably going to miss the next couple weeks. Uh, we'll talk about the impacts of that after we finish with the Eagles, but Dud from Miles Sanders. This is just kind of what you get from guys that don't catch the ball and especially guys that have running quarterbacks that share the backfield with them. 42 yards on the ground, caught a pass for negative 13 yards and lost a fumble. So just a disastrous day from Miles Sanders. A.J. Brown, he set a career high in receiving yards. Seems like I have said that three or four times this year. Nine of 16, 181 yards. He is fantastic. Devonta Smith, He's also fantastic. Five of eight for 126. He continues his hot streak. Uh, when there's no Dallas Goddard, it is just these two guys. And, you know, he just pretty much, it's just, he just throws the ball to these two. 24 of his 37 targets to Brown and Smith. You'll love to see that from a fantasy perspective, Cody. All right. So let's talk about the Jalen Hurts injury here and what it means for these guys on their offenses uh, or on the Eagles offense moving forward. How much are we downgrading A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith? Um, well, I mean, I guess we also have to assume. Do you think Dallas Goddard comes back and plays next week? Let's say he does. I, I actually, I'll, you can, I'll, I'll give you, I'll let you go ahead and say your answer. But I don't think Goddard loses much here. I think he might even get a bump up. To be honest with you. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, if Goddard comes back, I do think Devontae Smith kind of he's going to probably take a step back. Um, I mean, AJ Brown. My, my thing is, if you're the wide receiver one, if you're going from a starter to a backup, I mean, you got to expect at least a little bit because you're not going to get that big playmaking ability. But AJ Brown himself has been a big playmaker, so I mean, he's not. My mind's not going to change too much about him. I think he gets a slight downtick. Um, Devontae Smith is where I'd be concerned because a lot of his targets are downfield. Jalen Hurts has been great throwing the deep ball this year, so. Um, I, I think he may get a little bit of a, a little bit more of a bump down. I'd say Devontae Smith next week with Gardner Minshew is just – I don't want to call him a wide receiver three because I feel like that's kind of disrespectful, but I feel like he's a boom-bust wide receiver three. Yeah, so you're – I think based on that evaluation, you're, you know – potentially pivoting off of Devonta Smith yeah. if you have yeah. the right Yeah, I mean, option. he's, he's going to be in that tier. I mean, we'll see what they're um, – they play – is it at Dallas next week or is it in Philadelphia? It's at Dallas. So, okay. So I mean, at least temperature since, control. Yeah, but. temperature controlled in a, in a dome. Um, so that's that's at least nice. But I think we'll have to see. He's definitely going to be someone who's very matchup dependent. Because I would say he's extremely boom bust now, especially if Dallas Goddard does come back. And uh, I think his ultimately his upside or his high, his bust, uh, sorry, his boom potential is going to be lower overall than what it would have been with Jalen Hurts. 
Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I agree with you. I think that's the the one guy that I'd be thinking about pivoting off of is uh, Devonta Smith with Gardner Minshew under center, just not really knowing exactly what to expect there. Dallas Goddard, the reason that I say he gets maybe even a little bump up is just the fact that he played a couple games with Gardner Minshew last year and was fantastic in those games. So I think uh, just it just kind of makes sense that you know, the backup quarterback might look to the tight end a little more often than the starter would, a little bit more of a safety blanket. And exactly. maybe he's not trying. To, he can't scramble around like Jalen Hurts can and let, you know, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith run their routes downfield. Gardner Minch is just going to have to get the ball out quicker, especially against a, uh, a you know, Dallas Cowboys defense that has a great defensive line. The one thing I will say is that they do have, uh, they have the number one defense against tight ends, but I just think that the matchup and, you know, the circumstance here might play into his hands a little bit. Yeah. Also one Um, thing about just the Philadelphia offense in general, I mean, a team has to designate one player on just about every play to spy Jalen Hurts. That is going to be taken away this week for uh, the Cowboys. So they will be able to play a little bit more, you know, intense pass defense. And I'd say a lot of teams have been able to, with Jalen Hurts back there as quarterback. And then Miles Sanders, I think he's pretty much just stays even. Uh, he's pretty yeah. much still an RB2. I think he gets, you know, the offense won't won't move quite as well, so he gets a bump down for that. But uh, he will probably get the goal line work now, so he gets a bump up for that. And I think it pretty much evens out in that respect. Do you have any differing opinions on Miles Sanders, or do you kind of view him similarly than he would have been? Yeah, he's, he's pretty much the same for me. Do you know what happened on his one reception for negative 13 yards? I did not see that play at all. Um, so I'm pretty sure it was, you know, a kind of like a, it was a screen pass and he sort of, you know, it got blocked up and he tried uh, to tried reverse to just, fields. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then ended up having to, to go down because he was going to, you know, lose more yards than he was already losing. So yeah, it was, that was just kind of a, a, a wonky play there where Sanders should have just taken the four yard loss, but, uh, yeah, definitely an odd stat to, to have there at the end, one catch for negative 13 yards. And a half point uh, PPR that's still negative eight or negative point eight points for you. <laughs> it's like, damn, man, just get down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Funny. Yeah, uh, and then on the Bears side, Justin Fields is really uh, the story here. Fourteen for twenty one, one fifty two and two. He just continues to find a way. Uh, ninety five yards on the ground as well. Almost had just another ridiculous highlight to add to his year. Ridiculous highlights on the ground. Uh, still a you know a fantastic play. Just stepped out of bounds by you know just a a hair on the sideline I was about ready to you know explode in the sports bar and make everybody around me hate me uh, watching that (laughs) game but he went down he ended up stepping out about the eight and then Montgomery got the touchdown was a little disappointing but Justin Fields ended up throwing two scores later so he came through for you and then David Montgomery he caught one of those two touchdowns and scored like I said the one on the ground so Really tough matchup, and he showed himself out pretty well. I think he looked just looked good in this game, too. 12 for 53 on the ground and a score, 3 for 3, 38 yards through the air and another score. Those are the only two options you're even considering in Chicago other than Cole Komet. He had a little bit of a dud, but, again, it's tight end, so he'll just find himself in that low end of streamers once again. Yep, absolutely. One thing, I don't have anything else to add necessarily about Chicago. I think Fields and Montgomery are loading right back up for next week, and Komet's just dependent on your tight end situation. Uh, none of these wide receivers are worth playing. Uh, they're not relevant unless they catch touchdowns. Really, I will so. say I have a, a very interesting decision to make next week between Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins. Justin Fields playing at home against the Bills in a game with a 41.5 point over-under right now, I think heavily influenced by the weather situation there. And then obviously Cousins 
47 and a half point over under in a game they're favored in a temperature controlled environment. So I'm going to be sweating that one all week. Uh, so I, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there right now. If anybody has any helpful words for me, I would love to hear them because I am very torn on where to go in that that matchup. Because as good as Justin Fields' day ended up being, you know, the, the offense was not great in this one against the Eagles. They, you know, he kind of ended up lucking out that he got the two touchdowns and yeah, it just other than those couple scrambles he made, that this offense was pretty much held in check by the Eagles all day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope you make the wrong decision with those two quarterbacks that you have right there. Thank you. Whichever one that, that may be, I hope that's the one that you pick next week. Um, and then I do just want to say, imagine how would you be how we would be talking about the Jets if they would have just taken Justin Fields with the number two overall. Oh pick. my goodness! Wouldn't even have had to have traded oh up. Goodness. Wouldn't have had to do anything crazy, but just take the consensus number two overall prospect for basically two years leading up to that draft season or how he or, falls all the way to the bears is ridiculous what about the niners what if say 49ers yeah, had taken justin fields instead of trey lance that team would be my goodness i don't even want to think about it that would be so scary but yeah uh, i yeah I mean, absolutely one of those teams or if the Broncos had just taken him at nine, although you know, it's it's hard for me to say we shouldn't have drafted Pats or Tan, but damn, Justin Fields will look good in the Broncos jersey right now. When you have hindsight uh, and you look back at it, it's like, damn, wish we had Justin Fields. But if you also would have told yourself you're getting yourself Russell Wilson and one of the best cornerbacks in the league two years ago, you would have shit yourself. So <laughs> I think yeah. just a little hindsight there does make that Justin of course, Fields take yeah. a look. 100%. A little juicier. Well, before we jump into our next matchup, we do got to talk a little bit about your Denver Broncos because I see you forgot to put them on the show doc uh, yet again. But oh yes, oh, they no, ended up not. they ended up playing a good game. They won twenty four to fifteen here. Uh, Arizona was the away team. Obviously, the big news was Cole McCoy getting banged up. Uh, if Trace McSorley is the starter, I mean D Hop would be the only one you're considering. But you got to realize his. His ceiling and floor both come down considerably. And James Conner, yep. potential league winner James Conner. I mean, their offense isn't going to be very good, which may limit him from being that. But since he's returned from injury, he has looked very solid himself. Yeah, it's scary with James Conner going against Tampa Bay next week. They have a great yeah, front. And, you know, they will probably hold him to some, you know, inefficient running. But at the same time, he's going to get 20 touches. Five of them could be catches. And he is pretty likely to score. So I think James Conner's in your lineup. And then, like you said, Hopkins going to be hard to completely avoid him. But uh, we'll talk about him later this week and just kind of see where we're at with the options we have. But I think I would be potentially trying to to pivot off of him. Trace McSorley is not an NFL level player. He should not even be a backup in this league. There's a reason he was the the third quarterback on this roster. Yep, absolutely. I think I think you're 100% correct with the Cardinals and ND Hop. Let's just see what our options are going to look like next week. Obviously, look at your roster. I mean, we've listed a few other wide receivers you could go pick up. Go get yourself Marquise Goodwin. You don't know what the Tyler Lockett news can be. Um I mean, that's a pretty big stretch from D-Hop to Goodwin, but that's what happens in the fantasy playoffs when you have Trace McSorley it's, playing quarterback. It's on the table, I will say that. Yeah. I, I think right now if I had to make the decision, I'd go Hopkins, but it is on the table that I would choose uh, you know, to choose Goodwin over Hopkins. So that's, that's kind of where we're at with him right now. For sure. And then on the Denver side, I don't really have a lot to take away from this one. Uh, it seemed like a pretty easy win for them. Uh, Latavius Murray was amazing. If you started him, 24 attempts, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think he also caught a pass for 12 yards as well. So he was really, really good if you played him. Uh, besides that, I mean, Latavius Murray going into next week, are you excited to play him or, or fire him back up? 
Uh, they play the Rams, so they should be in that game. I'm not excited to play him, but I think you can at least trust that he will get most of the work, whereas, you know, you weren't totally sure about for that sure. coming into this week. So I think you can throw him in there. Similarly, he's probably just like a poor man's James Conner, uh, I guess, in this situation. So you can play him, but he's just going to be a volume-dependent play. Uh, the Rams' defense is usually decent against the run. Uh, so I think you're going to get a lot of opportunities, a lot of inefficiency, and, you know, hopefully he scores. Absolutely. And then the receiving options for Denver, Jerry Judy, uh, Corlin Sutton, and Greg Dulcich. Any of these guys touching your roster next week? I think Judy's a fine option. He was 7 for 8, 76 yards in this one. Uh, you know, Brett Rippon really not that much of a downgrade as a passer, uh, at least from what we've seen this year from Russell Wilson. So I think Judy's okay. He's a, you know, low-level wide receiver too, maybe high-end three. Dulcich, I think we're just completely avoiding at this point. He had a complete dud against a great matchup, and, you know, we had a different tight end score a touchdown. So I think you're just off of him now. Yeah. Didn't you guys have two different tight ends score a touchdown? I thought I heard that earlier today. No, the only one passing touchdown. Uh, no, never mind. Just one. All right. Yeah. Another guy. Yeah, we're. Oh, never mind. That was a wide receiver. Uh, we can move on. But yeah, Dulcich, we're just moving off of. Yep, I agree with you for sure. So let's go ahead and get back to it. Uh, Atlanta at New Orleans. New Orleans ended up sneaking this one out 21 to 18. Locally, barely any points were scored in that fourth quarter to hit the under for the best bet. Appreciate that. Uh, for me, the Atlanta side, very simple. Everyone's a very risky boom bucks, boom bust flex if you have to play them, but I'd imagine your roster is good enough you don't have to at this point. Um, the only one I want to mention, just because we know how you know running backs work, Tyler Algier started to show some of that preseason hype that Nick was giving him. Um, yes, he did. Are you, is, I mean, he's a running back that is probably going to be widely available. Are, are you looking to pick up Algier and seeing what happens next week? Um, or would you potentially play him? Is there any chance where that happens? I don't think so. They play Baltimore next week on the road, so I'd be avoiding him for sure. I think he's worth a pickup, though, because they do play Arizona in Week 17. So, you know, Patterson were to get nicked up in that game against Baltimore. Uh, then, you know, Algier could be stepping into a potentially a top 15 running back situation there at home against Arizona, who might be the worst team in the league right now. Uh, and they have been horrible against running backs lately specifically. So if Algier, you know, were to be the lead guy in that game, he could be very interesting. But uh, just worth a pickup in that respect. Definitely don't play him this week against uh, Baltimore on the road. That's a pretty bad matchup. Yeah, good call on that one. Um, anything else? I like about- what I've seen from him, though. He looks like a good player. Oh, yeah, I he think looks really from good. From a... From a dynasty perspective, he's interesting. Uh, the only problem is I think there's a very likely chance that you know Atlanta invests a high pick in a running back, but if they don't, Algier, uh, with the way that Arthur Smith likes to call games, which is running the ball quite a bit, could be could be pretty interesting uh, moving into next year, especially if Atlanta kind of improves the offense around him. Yeah, here's my testament for Algier also, because I think he's someone that if he's out there, he's going to be someone that I want to add to my roster if I am questionable at running back uh, for the next, not next week against Baltimore, but especially week 17. Um, well, I mean, Atlanta doesn't, they don't get a lot for playing uh, Cordero Patterson at this point anymore. I mean, I know that they're still technically in the playoff race, but I, I don't think that that's what they're worried about. I think they're more – now that they have Desmond Ritter in there, I think they're more concerned about what kind of pick that they can get in the first round. So 
Um, I, I mean, especially if Desmond Ritter, I mean, he will be the quarterback the rest of the season. He did not look very good. So you horrible. can expect, I mean, and he looked bad. I, I think this week, if you see them continue to go to Algier, I think Algier might be a guy in week 17. That's going to be a league winner for someone. Cause I, I think he looks really good. He gets a good matchup in week 17. We just need to see him kind of continue to take over that, that role, um, against the Ravens, but. He's someone I think can can do some really some do something really cool in week seventeen to win someone a week. So just gonna throw that out there yeah, now. Hundred um, percent. I, I personally think it'll take a Patterson injury just because Atlanta, like you said, is technically still in the playoff race. So yeah, that's the one. Fortunately, uh, yeah, that is the problem. So they will probably still use Patterson unless he gets, uh, like I said, gets nicked up. So uh, that would be the one hair in the soup there for Algier. But he has the potential to you know be a really good play in week seventeen. Absolutely. Um, so Kamara, I mean, he didn't have necessarily have a terrible game this week, but definitely didn't do anything to help you win your week. Um, hasn't been very good, but I think with his upside, he, you're just locked and loaded with him going into next week if you got past this week, right? Yeah, um, I I think it just is what it is. Again, uh, I feel like I've broken record here, but they have a horrible matchup next week against Cleveland. They've actually been pretty bad against the run, as we saw this past week. So Kamara is maybe the one guy you're confident there, but it's really hard to be confident in anyone with a 31.5 point overrunner that just does not leave a ton of room for fantasy production. So that would be my one caveat there, but uh, Kamara may be the one guy that avoids that just because the Browns have a pretty bad run defense. Would you play J.K. Dobbins or Alvin Kamara next week? Oh, give me Dobbins against the the Falcons at home. Um, they're favored by seven. Uh, yeah, I I would play Dobbins for sure. Absolutely. Uh, probably a non-realistic option here. Let's see who am I looking for. The Steelers. Oh, they play. I'm they, gonna get my. Oh, sorry. Uh, would you play Najee Harris or Alvin Kamara next week? Najee gets the Raiders at home. Oh, I'd probably play Najee. That's just such a fantastic matchup. Again, they're yep. probably favored by uh, a couple points there, so I would take Najee against the Raiders at home. He's looked better lately. We'll talk about that game next, but uh, I've actually liked what I've seen from Najee just as a player. Uh, I wanted to get my stat of the game real quick before we completely move off the Saints. Where we're going to have a couple more uh, guys to talk about here, but I like this stat quite a bit. It took me some digging, but with Taysom Hill's touchdown pass this past week, he now has 10 career pass touchdowns, 21 rush touchdowns, and 11 receiving touchdowns in his career. He is the only, uh, there's only one other player with double digits in all three categories in their career. That is Frank Gifford, the the famous Frank Gifford, obviously. He played from 1952 to 1964. So pretty cool stat for Taysom Hill there. Yeah, the Frank Gifford. If you are unfamiliar with NFL history, look him up. He was a, an absolute dog from 1952 to 1964. So, Yeah, as everybody knows. <laughs> as, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know who Frank Gifford is. Name. Yeah. <laughs> probably, I mean, you probably got a picture of him somewhere in your house. He was he was a legend. Yeah, uh, most people do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's probably one of my favorite stats that you brought up just because, I mean – only two guys in NFL history to do it. So shout out to Jason Mill. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to the tight ends, which are juicy for New Orleans, well, should be, but Olave, I think he's kind of continued to look pretty rough in the second half of uh, the season. I, I would say he's, I mean, next week, I mean, you got the Browns who've been a good defense. Like you said, there's probably some weather impact there. I think you got to probably plan on pivoting off of Olave next week unless yeah. you see a dramatic change in the weather, honestly. 
Yeah, that this is looking pretty rough. Um, obviously, like I just said, the Browns are kind of a they're a, a, a run funnel defense, so they work the opposite way of the you know of the Tennessee Titans of the world, of the uh, Detroit Lions of the world. They have a pretty decent pass defense and a really bad run defense. So, uh, and again, with the the inclement weather expected, that only makes passing the ball harder. And you know, Alave couldn't get it done this week against Atlanta in a dome. The problem is that they just don't throw the ball a ton, and so I don't yeah. I don't see any reason that they would start throwing the ball more in this situation on the road against Cleveland and again, what we expect to be pretty rough uh, weather conditions. So I think you're trying to pip it off Olave for sure. Yep. And then, uh, I mean, the tight end room in New Orleans could have single-handedly probably saved multiple people's seasons this week. Uh, Taysom Hill yes, and Juwan Juwan Johnson both had really good weeks from the tight end position. Uh, well, Taysom necessarily wasn't from the tight end position, but yeah, he counts. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, um, for some reason. Yeah. So I guess going, I mean, rest of season, I mean, are you playing either of these two guys? I know next week, obviously, you're probably scared with that yeah, Browns that's, matchup. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, that's the problem for Juwan. Uh, for Taysom, I think he's in the discussion, just kind of like he has been all year. Uh, you know, high-end streamer, I suppose, in a game that they may turn to the run a little bit more next week. Uh, he gets the opportunities. He has, you know, a relatively safe floor as it comes, you know, with as opposed to most tight ends. You just know he's going to touch the ball seven or eight times, which is more than you can say for a lot of tight ends. But, uh, yeah, he's probably going to disappoint you if he doesn't score. And, again, next week there's probably not going to be very many touchdowns between the Saints and the Browns. So not totally thrilled to have Hill as my option, but if that's who you have, you know, he's he's probably better than – I'm trying to think of a name that I would rather start him. Like I'd rather start him over like a Tyler Conklin. I'd rather start him over Jawan Johnson on the same team next week. Um, I'd probably have to look at the full slate here to, to give you a better answer, but he's, yeah. he's on the list of options. Yeah. And like you said, like we have been saying, when you get to the kind of those final four teams of your league, and most of these people probably have their tight ends locked in, especially because that position is just pretty important, but um, Taysom Hill is a pivot option. I think he's a pretty lower level pivot option though. Um, yeah. and just in general. And I do just want to throw out in week 17, these tight ends end up going against Philadelphia, which hasn't been, uh, the best defense to great. go again, especially with an immobile quarterback and Andy Dalton. Um, so I think that it's a risky play, uh, for both week 16 and 17 to put your trust in these saints, uh, tight ends. Um, like obviously next week you have the weather condition and then Philadelphia, I mean, you may have weather there as well. So just got to keep yeah. an eye out on that stuff, but I don't think I'm paying up for either of these two guys, unless I just have no one at the tight end position. Right. Cool. All right. Let's move to Pittsburgh at Carolina. Pittsburgh ends up taking this one 24 to 16. Uh, we'll start here on the Pittsburgh side. Deontay, very, very solid PPR day. Um, I think if Pickett plays next week, both him and Pickens are just low-level wide receiver three options right back to where they were. Uh, Trubisky seemed to hyper-target Deontay way more than Pickett ever does. So I think if they move back to Pickett, if he's cleared the concussion protocol, you're kind of just – I would not uh, be relying on Deontay Johnson to put up the same performance that he did this past week. No, I think he's – yeah, it's it's very dependent on the quarterback. If it's Trubisky, I'd be confident in uh... – and Deontay again, but if it's not, then, you know, I'm probably not too thrilled with either of them, but I guess Pickens would be the guy I'd go with. Absolutely. Again, Najee, solid fantasy day, relatively inefficient, but ends up finding the end zone, so you're happy with it. Not too much really has changed with his stock, uh, except for, again, zero targets. So Jalen Warren is getting the limited pass work out of the backfield, so 
Um, you know, if you're in full PPR, maybe a little bit scared of Najee and his you know lower ceiling and lower floor just due to the limit, no pass work, but uh, pretty much a lineup lock still at this point, just based on I think 24 rushing opportunities. Yeah, especially against uh, like we said earlier, the Raiders next week, he's going to be a pretty solid RB two option, I would imagine, for most teams. And if you still you know if you're still in and you have Najee Harris, you can feel pretty good about him, especially next week against the Raiders. And then uh, give me a second, and I will find out their Week 17 matchup for you. But at least for next week, he is looking like a, a decent lineup option, especially just just getting so much work right now. Absolutely. I, At Baltimore, that's not ideal. But okay. uh, anyway, next week against uh, next week against Vegas, you can fire him up for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other name that I did not note here, but Pat Fryermuth, Um I think he had a complete zero for you this past week. Um, yeah. Oof. I guess are we? I mean, he's not I mean, healthy. Yeah, exactly. He's not healthy. Are we? Are we good just to move off of him, or are you still just going to hold on to him in case he shows anything this week? Oh, man, if it's Pickett and it's the Raiders, I would be really hard-pressed to move off of him unless there's, again, there's probably not going to be a decent option on your waiver wire. Let's, I'd probably play him over like a Taysom Hill type, so yep. I think you're probably stuck with him. Uh, I think you just got to monitor the injury report. If he, if he puts in a full practice at some point this week, I'll have a lot more confidence. If he's questionable all the way up till game time like he was this time around, then uh, I wouldn't blame you for pivoting off of him. Absolutely. Let's take a look at my work league here. Let's see what tight ends are available. Um, I think, I mean, you already said you played Taysom over Jawan, so nothing to worry about there. I mean, you're not getting, yeah, you said over Conklin. You're not getting down to like Okonkwo or anything like that. You're still playing Fryermuth over that level guy, right? Okonkwo is interesting uh, just because it, it, Burks is out again. I think he has probably a safer floor than Fryermuth does, fair. especially, again, if he stays on the injury report all week. That's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I have a one of my leagues I, I advanced with Fryermuth in my lineup. I have Okonkwo on my bench, so I will have basically that exact decision <laughs> to make next week if it comes to fruition. I think I'll go Okonkwo if, you know, if Fryermuth's questionable all the way up till Sunday again. But if he puts in a full practice at some point, I you know I think you just gotta roll him out there and hope, especially with the Raiders matchup. Yep, check back on the uh, Week 16 preview pod. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah, look, exactly. tune in to see who Nick chooses. <laughs> I will be sweating it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, and then on the Panthers side, very simple for me. I, they they do play against the uh, the Lions next week, so if you want to play the DJ Moore roulette game be my guest. But other than that, I mean, you're not going to play either of those running backs against that Detroit team. So nope. it's nope. basically DJ Moore roulette or nothing with that team at this point. Oh, uh, DJ Moore versus DeAndre Hopkins next week would be a very, very tough decision for me. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just very worried about Trace McSorley. So I think you know, that's actually, I'm probably a little bit higher on DJ Moore than you are next week. That Detroit, secondary is horrible and they uh you know that's just a this is just one of those defenses that has the the pass funnel so i think dj moore could have a pretty good week yeah i i know i i completely agree it's just i feel like whether or not he has a good week He's, or not it's just about the same as spinning a roulette wheel so yeah he yeah you just 100%. never quite know what you're gonna get um but like you said i mean if you're if you have a DeAndre Hopkins, DJ Moore situation, that's going to be something you're you're sweating all week. That's, that's interesting. That is a very tough call to make. Um, I, I sitting here. Uh, let's wait till let's wait till our preview pod to throw that one back out at each yep. other. Yep. <laughs> uh, did you get your stat of the game out for Pittsburgh, Carolina? 
Uh, yeah, this one, not quite as interesting. The Steelers are 6-0 this season when they are leading at the end of the first quarter, and they are 0-8 when they are tied or trailing. So if the Steelers don't get off to a good start, they are pretty much dead in the water. That kind of makes sense with the type of team they have. Yeah, front runners. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't front run very often. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, New England at Las Vegas. Las Vegas ended up taking this one 30-24. Um, I will... Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you care about fantasy football or football in general. You saw what happened. The Ramondre Stevenson lateral to Jacoby, back to Mac Jones, touchdown uh, Chandler Jones, put Mac Jones into the ground before he started running as well. So, I mean, it was just – Jones on Jones crime. Yeah, I mean, if you were a Raiders fan, that had to be the greatest, like, 15 seconds of your season. I mean, I couldn't imagine how that must have felt – even though you're basically out of playoff contention. I mean, that's just had to be amazing. Um, but just other than that, I mean, I really don't think that this game was too much to talk about. Only a couple of names that really did anything too special for fantasy. Um, but I, 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 I will let you get to your side of the game, but I'm going to tell a story. We'll do the side of the game, and then we'll break down the fantasy aspect. So in the, in the league where I only scored 82 points this week in advance, I was playing against both Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. And I was in the gym last night, had the red zone on and the headphones. So I was listening to what's going on, and I started sweating because Las Vegas tied it up. Thank God the touchdown wasn't to Devontae Adams. I was like, all right, all right. we just if we get to overtime, New England's got to get the ball and score a touchdown because I do not need Josh Jacobs or Devontae Adams moving the ball up and down the field. Right. Like right. they are like they could do at any given time. And luckily, Luckily, old I guess Jacoby Myers saved my fantasy week in a way that my he probably goodness. never would have thought because those two guys never touched the field again, and I ended up sneaking away with a win. So, just one of those things that you just you never know how it's impacting you know everybody's fantasy matchup. But basically, uh, Jacoby Myers flicking that ball all the way back in a in a inadvertent way won me my fantasy week this week. So, gotta love that. Yeah. I- I had some very mixed feelings about that play. I was playing against uh, Nick Folk in a couple of my big matchups, so I was happy that they you know, lost the game and that he was not able to score any more points. Obviously, a field goal was very likely at some point for at least one of the teams, maybe even both, but... Yep. Um, the other, the other, the other thing that was going on during that, I, I put a, a live bet on the Patriots to win the game when they were down a touchdown in the first half at two to one odds. Mm. So I was, I was going to win, win me a hundred bones if the Patriots pulled it off and they, they should have, they had a couple fourth downs that Vegas converted on the drive, but they tied it before that. So that was a little disappointing. Luckily I put the same bet on the Bengals against the Bucks. So we oh, when did coming you, out when did you put your on bet that. on the Bengals? So, did you do it at halftime? I think it was. Um, on, it was a little earlier, unfortunately. So it was only um, so I, I put down fifty bucks. I won like ninety five. I think it was while they were down like ten zero. So ah. uh, I could have waited a little bit, got better odds. But did you put some money down on that as well? Yes, I did. I did at halftime. Got Very plus nice. two twenty odds. Turned nice, nice fifty into I think it was like one yeah, twenty, one twenty, something like that. But oh, it was I my just, favorite bet of the week. I made. I was so pumped. I believed that the Bengals were a better team, and yeah, so so good, good on us for both of winning that situation <laughs> correctly. That. They ended up they ended up winning that game easily too. We'll get to that in a second. But my stat of the game. This is just highlighting how bad Mac Jones played. Uh, we've been highlighting the Raiders matchup as a great one for uh, for quarterbacks all year, but he 
did not come through, and that is putting it lightly. Uh, before Sunday, this is this is incredible. Before Sunday, the lowest passing yardage output against the Raiders in a single game was 222. That was Matt Ryan in a game they won, and Jonathan Taylor went crazy. So uh, 222, that... I can't believe that that is the lowest passing yardage total that the Raiders have faced again, uh, that have faced this year. That's, that's incredible. But Mac Jones finished with 112 passing yards. If you double his total, it's 224, which would only be two more yards than the lowest output against the Raiders so far this year. My bonus stat, Mac Jones, a 41.9% completion rate in this one. That is horrible. The second lowest rate against the Raiders this year is 59.6%, a full almost 18 points below that. Uh, just incredible, incompetent quarterback play here from Mac Jones in this one. Yeah, terribly bad. Um, probably makes New England question how he how they took him with a first-round pick. Is Bailey Zappi hurt? How, how did he not get put into this game at some point? I was not watching it closely. I got to be honest. I had my eyes on my, you know, some, some of the other games with my fantasy options oh, in yeah. them, but uh, I, I don't know why or how Bailey Zappi was not put into this game. I, uh, I think yeah, this, is, this is about as bad as it gets. I was not paying very much attention to this game, but um, yeah, same, same here. I, I do not know how you don't just put Zappi out there at some point. Uh, that was very rough, very rough looking performance from Mac Jones, but uh, only one, I think, New England option anyone is like locked and loaded into going into next week, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. Um, as someone yep. who needs him this week to do what he just did to Las Vegas, uh, if you need to be questionable all week, go ahead and rest on up so that way you can come out and dominate on Sunday. You do your thing, man. I, I am not going to question you if you have a questionable tag because I, uh, I was very concerned how he was going to look and if he could potentially re-aggravate that injury, but – 172 yards on 19 carries. That is 9.1 yards per carry. It's basically almost a first down every time he touched the football um, when you break it out on a per carry stat. And he got in the end zone. So if you had Ramondre and you uh, ended up get, playing him in your fantasy matchup, he probably helped carry you to a win. Um, but the only other New England option really to touch on is Myers. I think he's the only wide receiver you'd consider. But, you know, we just talked about some pretty bad Mac Jones stats against what should be a very easy Las Vegas defense. I think I'm probably hoping you have better options. Yeah, it's Stevenson or bust for me. And with Perfect. Stevenson, yeah, I, I think he looked incredible. His long carry was only 34 yards, too. So this wasn't like he just had some, you know, long boom run that kind of skewed his carry average. He was just ripping off chunk plays consistently. Absolutely. Um, we'll start here on the Raiders side with Josh Jacobs. Uh, he got the yardage but didn't find the end zone. Solid day. Nothing changes going into next week uh, for me when it comes to Josh Jacobs. Devontae Adams had an absolute dud game. Um, at this point, I still say nothing changes going into next week, but mm -hmm. some preseason concerns that we voiced on this podcast that sounded really stupid for a long time are maybe coming to fruition. Uh, we have not seen this Raiders offense fully together, so there is a chance that Adams just regresses down the stretch with more weapons around him. Renfro's back. Waller's back and looks pretty solid this past weekend. Obviously, Matt Collins has developed into some kind of a weapon that this team likes to use. Josh Jacobs has become one of the best running backs in the NFL. Um, I mean, it's just... There's a chance Devontae Adams owners, I know you've been very, very happy that you spent up on him all season long, but this is what we were kind of concerned about when the season started. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, I couldn't agree with you more there. I think, uh, like you said, yeah, getting these options back and then having this game happen immediately is a you know not a great sign. Obviously, he's locked into your lineup no matter what, but I don't think you can, can count on him for you know the wide receiver or top five wide receiver numbers he was putting up for you. I think it's going to be more uh, low-end wide receiver one, high-end two type of production that we were expecting coming into the year. And the other problem here. He has two tough matchups. The Pittsburgh matchup is actually not that tough from a wide receiver's perspective, but uh, that, that defensive line could get after Derek Carr, so that could cause some issues for them. And then San Francisco in the championship. So I am, you know, I am, I'm sweating it if I'm a Devontae Adams owner and really a Josh Jacobs owner. I think that you could have at least one, maybe two duds coming up in the next uh, two weeks. Yeah, the one thing with Josh Jacobs that just – I don't. Know, I feel a little bit more secure with him. Just you know, he's going to get the guaranteed opportunity. There's just a game like this yeah. possible with Devontae where the, just the targets go to other options on this offense. Um, and yeah, ten I don't, or so points is probably Jacobs' floor. So that that is a he has a higher floor in that regard for sure. For sure. And then I think Matt Collins, Hunter Renfro, either of these two guys are just they're ancillary pieces on this team, no, not the you. one you're yeah. going to worry no. about for the rest of the season. Uh, but Darren Waller. Um, I think he's kind of slotted right back into the starting tight end option. Um, this is more – I I know we kind of asked this earlier, but would you rather have Darren Waller or Mark Andrews for the rest of the season if you could have one or the other? Man, man. Um, I, I think I'm sticking with Andrews. And, again, I think that just it's, it comes down to those matchups. I don't want to play basically any Raider other than Adams or Jacobs against the, the 49ers in week, uh, week 17 oh, and the next right. week at Pittsburgh. Ooh. Yeah, a week week seventeen or week next week at Pittsburgh, and then Andrews gets the Falcons. So um, that's you know I, I'd probably take Andrews in that great matchup. I could I would be you know I could be talked into Waller there, but considering the one after that, I think I would just stick with Andrews. Yeah, I think one thing that Andrews also has going for him is he does not have a Devontae Adams on the outside that could just completely exactly. dominate any given game. Exactly, he should he should still Waller. Win. Walter played well, but he only got three targets and he only had 49% of the snaps. So I think he'll get more worked in as the, you know, as it goes here, but you know, he, if he didn't catch that touchdown, it would have been a, it would have been a dud game. You could say that for a lot of tight ends, but still, it's not like he was, you know, super involved in the offense. He just had that one, you know, nice play where they, you know, they had to play action and then Waller pretty much got completely free there for the touchdown. Absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead. Do you have any other comments on either of those two teams? Nope, or let's move on. Cool. Tennessee at Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers pulled this one out 17-14 to in uh, just the absolutely low-scoring defensive affair that everyone thought. Um, I don't have the stats to back this up, but I felt like every time that Red Zone turned this game on, there was another sack happening. It, it was just constant in this game, it felt like. But uh, – mm-hmm. We'll start on the Tennessee side. Derrick Henry, an absolute monster. Um, but I think outside of him, um, you could take your shot on the Conquo if you're in a situation like Nick where you have to. Um, and then you can also take a shot on Burks if he comes back. But I think it's still very no. risky, I, especially with Not Ryan Tannehill back, being banged man. up. So I think it's Derrick Henry and Bust, and then you could take your shot on a Conquo if you uh, if you need to. Pretty much, yeah. Actually, I, I still think Oconquo is a, a decent option if Burks is out. If Burks is back, it's absolutely no one other than Derrick Henry. But, um, again, you get Houston next week. They've obviously been a little better against pass catchers because teams don't usually have to throw on them. But Oconquo should be the number one here. I just like that they, they scheme plays up for Oconquo. So I think he's an okay tight end option, and then it's Derrick Henry, and that's pretty much it on Tennessee. 
Absolutely. Um, I will say, if you had Justin Herbert and you made it past this week in fantasy, good for you. Your team had to have some, uh, maybe a little bit of Zay Jones or something in there to uh, <laughs> to make up for Herbert's lack of production. Um, but I do think if you survived this past week with him, I mean, you're just sticking with Justin Herbert. Um, a little bit of a tough matchup against the Colts on Monday night, but there's the, highly doubt there's anyone on your waiver wire you'd consider um, outside of him. So. Pretty easy there. And then the rest of the Chargers options, I don't think too much changes. Keenan Allen is the guy you want in PPR. He's going to see the targets, get those uh, receptions. Mike Williams is boom bust, but he could be the ex- absolute extreme either way. He could completely dodge you or he could go nuclear and win you the week. He has probably the biggest gap in potential of any player in fantasy football, which is a complete headache. And then Palmer's a wide receiver three, so it just depends on the matchup for him. Gerald Everett starting lower end, starting tight end option for me. So nothing really changes, just I think Mike Williams, he caught two of his four catches on that last drive. Granted, he did make some good catches, but outside of that, I mean, he would have absolutely busted this week. So not concerned necessarily, but it's just a reminder of who he is. Yeah, I think it's just the Chargers are just seem like they're always good for – two or three of these games a year where they, you know, have high expectations going in, the matchup lines up, and then they just don't come through. Uh, Herbert was fine, uh, 313 through the air. So, uh, you know, that's not bad. That's a decent yardage total, but two picks, no touchdowns. Both of them went to, uh, you know, the running backs here. Surprising against this good Tennessee front that that happened, but, you know, that's just kind of how football goes sometimes. And then Tennessee's offense couldn't get much going either, so they didn't put a ton of scoreboard pressure on the Chargers. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely really disappointing for Justin Herbert owners. I luckily played against him in a couple leagues. I thought I was going to have a rough time, but – Herbert ended up uh, propelling me into the next round in a couple of my leagues. So thank you for that, Justin. Uh, and then, yeah, on the, the pass catching options, I pretty much echo everything you said there. Williams is just perennially a boom bust wide receiver too. Keenan Allen is a really solid player, high end wide receiver too. And then uh, Palmer is a risky wide receiver three. Why, why did you say thank you, Justin? Was there a trade that happened for Justin? Herbert? Oh, no, I was Justin Herbert. Thank you, Justin. Oh, Herbert. oh, I okay, 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 in, okay. In two of my leagues. Gotcha, gotcha. I thought you were referencing the producer. So, <laughs> no, um, not producer Justin. Yeah. No, makes sense. All right. I don't think there's too much more to add there. Like I said, I don't think anything really changes. Yeah, um, we can move on. So, Cincinnati at Tampa Bay. Cincinnati came on top 34 to 23. Uh, obviously, as we gloated about earlier, Nick and I won some money live betting uh, the Bengals either Absolutely. just before or at halftime. So, um, yeah, I, I agree for Joe Burr. Yeah, I agreed with you. I, I mean, I did not expect five. Was it five straight turnovers or four turnovers and a four turnover on downs? Turnovers. My goodness. Um, so, I mean, it was just constantly giving the ball right back to Cincinnati. I did not expect that. I would have expected it to be more like a 23, 20, 27, 23. Just a nice close comeback from Cincinnati. But, man, I was – when about when those when it, they took the lead, I was like, "Damn, this is gonna be nice." Like since like, let's just hope that they can do it again. Then they got another turnover, and I was like, "Holy yeah, cow, this is this is golden!" Like this is this is gonna be the easiest bet I have all weekend. It and, ended up blowing out the other way, which was just in, incredible. The, the the figure that that happened after the way it started, but yeah, I mean they they were up thirty four to seventeen with what two minutes left in this game, so. Really, just just an embarrassing effort from the Buccaneers, honestly, in this one after they got out to that lead. They looked really good, too, but uh, they just fell apart. 
Yeah, you go ahead and start us out with your uh, stat of the game. I have a stat that I need to look up. I forgot about earlier. Listen, I always love uh, bagging on Tom Brady whenever we can. So uh, Tom Brady entered Sunday 89-0 and when leading by 17 points at home in his career. He is now 89-1. and My bonus stat, this is Tom Brady's first ever season with eight losses. If, unless he wins out, this will also be his first season with a losing record in his career. So uh, Tom Brady going out on a bad note this year. Still probably will make the playoffs, though. Uh, that just speaks to how bad this NFC South division is. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I was going to look up a stat about how good Joe Burrow has been since a particular period in time, but he has been unbelievable all season long. I mean, you look at his stat lines and his uh, – I mean, he had a little bit of a rough stretch, I guess, to start the season, a couple of lower performances, but, I mean – yeah, he's, really he's been really, he's really, he's really good. Yeah, insane. And, I mean, he just did it again this week for you. I mean, he. I'd imagine Joe Burrow's probably helped carry some teams to some fantasy playoffs, and just like Jalen Hurts, absolutely performed for you this past weekend. So QB4 overall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so sh- shout out if you got Joe Burrow. Unfortunately, I have zero Joe Burrow in any of my leagues. Which We were wrong about him preseason, I will admit that. Yeah, uh, yeah I just did not. Did not think that they the pass volume would be there, but uh, he has. I think they they've they've had an uptick in you know the, the the amount of times they throw the ball, and his efficiency has still been pretty elite. So uh, Joe Burrow is just an elite level quarterback, and there's really not much else to say about it. For sure, um, which man, I we'll get into we'll get into that kind of talk later. I was going to ask you a next year draft question. We have plenty of time for that stuff. Let's get this wrapped up. Sure. Um, I guess neither running back for um, for the Bengals had a really good performance, but Mixon's going to Mixon is is he locked and loaded in your lineup next week? You're not going to worry about moving him for anyone, are you? He has to be. I think you got to manage expectations, though. I call him an RB two. They play at New England. Uh, They have been pretty good against running backs so far this year. I believe they're top five against uh, running backs fantasy points allowed wise. So going to be tough sledding, but. Uh, he's just too involved in the offense. That The problem here for most of Cincinnati's options was if you did not score, you did not have a good game because the, the Bucks just kept giving them 30, 20-yard – there was just no yards to be had for yeah, the Bengals. Absolutely. They did not have the ball at all in the first half, and then in the second half they just had short fields over and over and over. So Nixon unluckily did not score one of those four touchdowns, and he had a bad day because of it. Really, everybody on the team would have had a bad day without a touchdown, uh, other than, well, obviously Joe Burrow had four of them, but even he only had 200 yards passing. So right. I think that was the bigger issue for Mixon. If he, you know, next week, if you have a little bit more of a normal game, then he's going to have some more yardage and, you know, he'll be fine. Yeah, that's a good call right there. Absolutely. And speaking of those wide receivers, uh, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd all caught touchdowns this week and produced to a certain extent. Like Nick said, there was just not a lot of yardage to go around for these guys. Um, if there's no tight end option, I don't mind having to fire up any of these three options. Um, so I know, I know next week against New England's not necessarily you know your favorite matchup, but I mean one thing about New England is like what they just did to Devontae Adams is they kind of took him out of that game. If they were to do that to Choice or <laughs> Chase Higgins and Boyd, make it a little bit of a bump um, up in production, but. And that's going to have to be more of a gut call on you guys. I, I'm not going to recommend Boyd over, you know, a lot of other options, but he may, with no tight end, he's definitely an option for you. 
yeah, there's a lot of really bad games next week, uh, game script-wise, as we have mentioned throughout this podcast. So Boyd and and especially Higgins are certainly on the radar. Higgins probably a lineup lock. Boyd, a flex option. And then Chase is just too good to bench, obviously. But yeah, if that if that is to come to fruition, the, that they try to take him out, then you could see a couple extra targets for these guys as well. For sure. And then on the good old Tampa Bay Buccaneers side here, um, I, I think at this point Tom Brady is probably out of most people's fantasy lineups. If you were relying on him, the odds of you making it to your semifinals were probably pretty low. So um, He actually I, had a fine day for fantasy, just the four turnovers, unfortunately, kind of uh, put a damper on it. But yeah, you know, 312 and three through the air, uh, but the four turnovers. See, that's not bad, but yeah, you take the, take the turnovers into consideration, definitely yeah. rough. Um but, yeah, and, and like I said, I just don't think that there's going to be a lot of people probably looking to play him um, unless he get a really plus He's, matchup. I will say he does, they do play Arizona next week on the road, so they'll be in a dome. And, again, there's a lot of bad matchups out there. So yeah, that's a good one. If, you are a, <laughs> if you're a Jalen Hurts owner and you you know see Brady on your wire, he's not a horrible option. I think that could be extremely relevant in our waiver league, or excuse me, in our keeper league, because uh, the number one seed in the league had Jalen Hurts. Uh, Tom Brady was on my squad, but I dropped him uh, this past week. So that is that is certainly an, uh, an option That's... that could come to fruition there. Uh, but yeah, other than I think he is a streamer for next week, but in general, yeah, Brady has just not looked the same this year. Yeah, in our league, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Tom Brady might be a keep-away kind of piece because after that you're looking I, at Brock Purdy, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson. So, yep, yep, 100%. Uh, if you if you don't listen to the pod and you're in the you're in the league, I don't know what you're doing. So, <laughs> hey, tune in. It's <laughs> a valuable advice here right now. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm using all of Nick's advice before I go to bed tonight. I'm gonna go put waivers claim oh, waiver claims great. in on everybody. I'm um, so glad I was very honest on this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but with that being said about Brady, I think Craig got, Chris Godwin was the only relevant Tampa Bay option that actually had a Rod solid week. God. This, yeah, had a solid week. Actually had a really good week when you look at it. Um, and then oh, Evans, yeah. he at least finally had a had a week that reminds you that there is potential upside there. Uh, didn't, he did not get in the end zone, probably four catches for 80-something yards. So at least showed you something. Um, so if you are stuck playing Mike Evans or if he's kind of one of your – in or out options. Uh, that's going to be at least a little bit more interesting this week. We'll get into how we rank him uh, in our later episode, but at least somewhat viable. But both these running backs are, I think, someone to have a little bit of discussion about. I think they're both very risky options. If you made it, uh, again, to your next round, it was despite either of these two options. Um, I think so going was. into next week, I mean, would you rather have Zach Moss or either of these two options? They do get Arizona, which oh. is a nice matchup. But yeah, see, that's the thing that Arizona's been really, really bad against running backs. I think, um, uh, not knowing everything there is to know right now, I probably take both of these guys over Zach Moss, but it would be pretty close. Okay. Uh, I think I would, you know, I consider making that pivot just depending on you know your feeling and what format that you're in. If you're in non PPR, I might pivot to Moss, but half or full, I'll take the uh, you know the Bucks guys just because they catch a decent amount of passes. Okay. Most weeks, not really this one, but most weeks they do. Absolutely, and just okay to conserve some time, we'll get into some more of this guy or that guy on our uh, preview pod later on this week. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Sunday night football was Giants at Washington. The Giants actually ended up sneaking this one out, twenty to twelve. I got to say, I was on the Washington side. Um, did not think that they, they were, were going to team. I, I didn't think they were going to cover. I expected this to be a pretty close game, but I did. I did think the Commanders were going to come out on top. So this one did surprise me a little bit. Um, obviously, the call at the end of the game for Terry McLaurin uh, after 
I don't know. That one's kind of weird. It looks like he gets confirmation Ridiculous. that he's lined up, and then he, he immediately Ridiculous. throws the flag. I don't. I wish that I could see if like it all like it looks like the guy, the referee's like holding his hand out, almost like he's giving him the thumbs up that he's good. So it's like, yeah, I, I feel right. like the NFL that's has what, to investigate that. Like I gotta know like what like if he's giving him the thumbs up, you can't just immediately throw the flag after that because I mean. For those that don't know football that well, like that's how receivers know if they're if they're lined up correctly. You look over at the official, and they usually will tell you yes or no, or they will most all the time tell you yes or no. So it's not even like Terry McLaurin was trying to get like some extra stuff out of the ref or anything. That's a pretty basic thing. So right, yeah, and the official is. So I, I saw a statement by the NFL today. The official is not. You know, they don't have to tell you if you're on the line, but they shouldn't lie to you and tell you you're not or you're on the line and then throw the flag on you. So very weird situation that was completely bizarre. Terry McLaurin gave an interview after the game. I don't know if you saw this, but he basically laid that out exactly how we thought it played out. He said he, you know, he looked over at the official. He told the official told him to scoot up a little bit. He did. And then looked back at him for confirmation. He thought he got it, and then he threw the flag on him anyway. So very, very strange situation, and compiled with the very obvious pi on the ensuing fourth down play. It was a, a very tough pill to swallow for Washington fans for sure. But um, yeah, I mean that's just tough a, because a really close game. If you're Terry, you can't let it come down to one play though. If you're the Commanders, yeah, and if you're Terry McLaurin, I mean, you're even more pissed off there because if you get one inch in front of that line, then you're getting called for offsides, and it's a penalty. Exactly. The, the, yeah. the, so I mean, you just—it's such a fine line there on where you got to be that I, I just—I yeah, feel like the referees kind of took the took the game into their hands, not not necessarily on purpose, but just. That one maybe should have had a two-point conversion to see if we were going to overtime, in my opinion. And it's really easy for the casual observer to you know look on the field, see the blue line, and just say, well, why didn't you just line up? <laughs> right, but exactly. when you're on the field, it's a lot different. And you're, I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to Terry McLaurin, it looks like he is basically on the line, and he can't tell that he's a half yard off of it. So kind of ridiculous. I think that's a, you know, that was just, that was, I'd like to see an explanation from the NFL on that one. That was, uh, that was pretty weird. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the fantasy side. Uh, the Giants team super easy for me. I think at this point, if you're still alive in your fantasy matchups, it's Saquon and Bust. Uh, these wide receiver options are all extremely risky, boom bust flex options. Um, if you play for something and you're one of like the bottom options in your team, maybe you have to look at these. But again, I think if you just have a playoff level or you know a championship level roster now at this point, you're not yeah. looking at these these Giants options. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna slightly disagree here. Actually, I'm. I'm gonna say that Darius Slayton is a an intriguing option for me next week. He still got seven targets in this one. Did not have the production, but Minnesota's secondary is probably the worst in the league. They often operate in you know the the teams that play against them often operate in negative game scripts where they have to throw the ball quite a bit. So. I think in a league like our Keeper League that is a 12-team double flex league, uh, Slayton is somebody that could be started uh, depending on your options. You know, maybe you had a couple injuries this week. But, um, yeah, beyond that, I'm not excited to start him. But he, I think he is on the radar for sure, especially in that uh, Vikings matchup. I like targeting that game. There's not a ton of ton of games to target next week, honestly. Yep. so send me a line over under half PPR fantasy points from Darius Slayton next week. Um, I think, I think 10 is a fair number to expect. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good line right there. I probably, I probably, I think I'd be happy if he got me six for 70. I think, I think that's, that's what I would expect at a Darius Slayton against a, again, probably the worst secondary in the league in a dome. Uh, I think, I think Slayton can get you there with the potential for a big play and more than that. 
Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't mind that. I think that line. I that line kind of gate got me. I think we're kind of on the same track there. I don't. I, I guess if that's what you're looking for out of a player, Slayton can get that for you. Um, I think that's just going to be very, very situational, though, um, if you need to. 100%. Deeper leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then on the Washington side, I, I would say Brian Robinson and Terry McLaurin are the only two commanders that I, I would consider locks, but that's 100% format dependent for Robinson. Um, he just does not get the passing game work. So if you're in a PPR league, you may just have a better option simply because they they, they get a few receptions. Yeah, they lost this game because they did not give him the ball more. I have no earthly idea why they stopped giving Brian Robinson the ball, especially after that first drive. He looked incredible. He was getting you know positive yardage on every play and then occasionally ripping off chunk plays. And you know, ended up with 12 for 89 on the ground, caught a ball for another 18 yards. So he just looked really good all game. I, I wish they would have fed him a little more. I actually played against him in one of my leagues, so I'm – not necessarily not upset they they didn't feed him more, but I think from a football perspective, they should have. They might have had a, a better outcome here. Yeah, absolutely. I I was surprised when I saw you only had 12 rushing attempts because I, I felt yeah, like when, had when I was five or six almost right away, too. Yeah, that's okay. So I, was, I watched the beginning of the game and I was like, man, it felt like he was getting the ball pretty much constantly. Mm-hmm. So the fact he ended up with yeah. 12, didn't end up sticking around watching this absolute slugfest between Washington and uh, the Giants the whole way, but yeah, I'm surprised that he only got 12 opportunities on the ground. Um, and I think Terry, yeah, I think that was a mistake. Terry's a lineup lock. Would you consider, would you agree with that? I don't think you're taking him out unless you have a, a bunch of elite uh, level so options. Here's the other, the other, uh, here's another matchup. Here. They play, here we go. They play at San Francisco next week. Um, so I, I think you're, you could avoid Terry McLaurin, and I wouldn't blame you. Uh, you know, it's going to be really hard to bench him just because of his potential. But San Francisco on the road—that is, I think that's that's much more Brian Robinson. You are almost certainly avoiding uh, Antonio Gibson, obviously as well. McLaurin, you can probably keep him in there because they're going to have to throw. But uh, again, it just scares me that that's the best defense in the league, and it's on the road. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I I don't blame you. That, that pass rush against Taylor Heineke, I think, is going to make him look. Oh yeah, that's make that's him look like I, the backup that he is in the NFL. But you know, we might see Carson Wentz in Week 17. I'm going to be. I'm just going to make that prediction right yeah, now. Yeah, I I think there's a chance it happens for sure. Um, and then I think I mean obviously I, I before I read this I, or before I made this I didn't even consider they were playing the 49ers I, I was gonna say Dotson and Samuel would be very very risky boom bust flex but I mean if you want to add Dotson like if you're in some kind of you know mini dynasty or something Absolutely. see definitely see if he's out there just to pick up he and looks throw fantastic because too. yeah he looks really good um, but I think for the rest of this year if you're just in a regular redraft I would not burn a waiver claim or spend fab no. on on these Washington guys. Nope. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. Rams, Green Bay, Monday Night Football. Had me on an absolute sweat from the very beginning. This is actually probably – I mean, I watch a lot of, like, football games because I just it's always on, whether I'm doing something else or not. But, like, this was one that was not a Chiefs game that I sat there from beginning to end and basically counted up every single stat that was happening because it basically impacted my fantasy matchup. So, um, right. this yeah, this one was – I mean, I wish I wouldn't have spent all that time watching it. I wish I would have just waited yes. to see what the ending was and just been happy because it wasn't very fun watching. So on the Rams side, super simple. Baker's still terrible at football. I don't think anyone with a brain thought that he was going to be able to repeat what he was doing last week. Um, and I feel like last week was – I don't want to say luck, but, I mean, 
It happens to the Raiders more often than any other team. So maybe just Raider unluckiness more than Baker luck. But from the fantasy perspective, Cam Akers, only a guy you want. Uh, did not get in the end zone this week. 65 yards on the ground, 35 through the air on three catches. So had a decent amount of little PPR um, floor there to kind of save you. But, I, again, just I think kind of a lower-level option. Uh, who do the yeah, Rams much. get next week? They get the Denver. Broncos. Okay. I, I'm not yeah, I'm not planning on playing Cam Akers next week. No. If it falls that way and I'm stuck, then maybe you get there. But I will also say that they play on Sunday. So, I mean – you yeah, you're probably stuck playing Cam Akers if you get to uh, three thirty on Sunday without another option because there will only be two other games at that point. Um, the only thing I want to add on yep. the Rams team is if the Broncos defense has not been picked up in your league, go use your number one waiver quick. Go use For all your fab sure. and go get them because Baker Mayfield. I mean the, the the Green Bay defense. I don't know what they ended up with in most fantasy leagues. It was probably an okay day for them, but they left. Two pick sixes on the table. They had another fumble they could have recovered. There was another turnover-worthy play, and then the pick they had was just right in their lap. So, I mean, they, they, they could have had an even bigger day, and I think a better defense might take advantage of those opportunities. Baker just – he threw a lot of balls that could have ended in six the other way, and you know, it's, it's only a matter of time before they do. I think the other He's takeaway is go at the Chargers yeah. if you have a really Sorry, good team in a bench spot because they play the Rams in week oh, 17 – or week uh, – yes, week, week 17. So I I don't love their defense, but I just – I want my defense to play against Baker Mayfield in the fantasy playoffs. They could win you your week. Yep. I completely agree with that. He looked terrible, and I one of the things oh, that I was going against God. was the Green Bay defense. And the score, this is a work league, so I'm not going to control the scoring. They scored 13 points, probably different in, in most other leagues. But, well, I mean, yeah, like you said, there right. was there was definitely a potential for them to put up a 20-plus game as a defense tonight. Absolutely. I mean, Baker just had the ball, I mean, all over the place. Um, but very simple there on the Rams side. None of the wide receivers are worth anything. Um, and then no. Tyler Higby, very, very low-end tight end yeah, option no, you have you. someone better he finally scored Good he did him, score yeah. a touchdown absolutely um and then on the tampa or not tampa bay green bay side um i think aaron jones 17 rushing attempts 90 yards four for five through the air for 36 yards and a touchdown he's definitely a lineup lock and green bay a- aj Dillon left the game uh probably going to go into some kind of concussion protocol so He's probably going to end up being questionable for next week, which just gives Aaron Jones the green light to uh, dump all over me in one of my matchups next week, which I'm not looking forward to. But uh, that is what it is. And then I think, um, I mean, the wide receivers in Green Bay, I don't really think Nick's opinion changed. I feel like this is kind of what he was expecting to see happen. Um, In my opinion, I do think that it changes how we feel about Watson a little bit. I do think that Aaron Rodgers does try to get him the ball, but I do think that they will just be very run-centric like they have been. So I think he's still just a boom-bust wide receiver option. And he's boomed a lot since he's kind of made his appearance this year. But um, another 4 for 46 game next week would not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, they really tried to get him that touchdown at the end of that game. They were trying to they were trying to force it down his throat, and he, didn't, he did not want it, it seemed like, at that last play. Uh, they checked out of the run uh, on the goal line, and Rodgers threw it into his feet, and Watson wasn't even looking. So I think that could have probably would have been a walk-in touchdown if he just turned around. But 
so yeah, I, they look for him on the goal line, but like you said, uh, these type of weeks are just going to happen with these guys that rely on touchdowns. And I think my biggest worry if I'm a Watson owner is Romeo Dobbs. He came back and got five targets, led the team in receiving. Uh, I guess he ended up taking away from Alan Lazard a little bit more, but I don't think he's going to completely go away either. So I, you're just really hoping for that big play with Watson. Yep. I, I agree with you there. I think, um, we're, I mean, just as we sit here tonight, you spot in Watson next week, probably wide receiver three, boom, bust level kind yeah. of. Yeah, I think I'm right there exactly. with you. I don't think – you can't have very much confidence in him, but if you're in a situation where you need some some extra scoring to win next week, he, he, can, he can provide that for you potentially. So, well, we just hit just, uh, just north of the two-hour mark, so let's go ahead and get on out of here, Nick. Let's get to bed. You got any last uh, advice or words for the people before we send them out for uh, waiver wires? No, just tune in next week. We are going to have a, a full matchup preview, I imagine, at some point during the week between us. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun week of fantasy football. I've got three semifinals to prep for, so I think I'm going to be, you know, talking through all of my lineup decisions. And, you know, it'll be therapeutic to, to have at least someone else to tell me if I'm being, you know, too too insane on my decisions here. No, I think that would actually be perfect. I think that's how we should try and center a lot of our, our content this week is is this guy or that guy because I feel like that's what it's going to come down to. So It's for all that matters anymore. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like you said, it doesn't really matter at this point if you have, you know, this guy or that guy. Just who are you playing this week and, and do you do you have confidence in playing them over, over the other guys on your bench? So, all right, let's hop out of here. Peace out, everybody. See you guys.